Welcome to the third annual Video Game of the Year podcast here on Duncan Dynasty. I'm your host, Garrett Bouguet, and I've got uh, two of my dear friends here to join me and break down the year of 22 in video games. First up, all the way from Germany, you can follow him on Twitter at ShyGuyCity. Matt Murray, how you doing? We're talking about some games, so I'm pretty good. Glad to hear it. And uh, next we have the man who joined us on this adventure for year two and decided it wasn't so bad. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Big Dogs Only. That's D-A-W-G. Andrew Wilkins, how are you doing? I'm well. I'm excited. I'm back. Um, I'm less prepared than ever, and I cannot wait. As are we all. So uh, last year, we each picked four games for a total of 12 games, and uh, we ended up recording for over four hours. So we decided to reel it back just a touch. Uh, so this time, we've uh, we've each picked three games, and then we also agreed on one additional game for a, a, a collective total of 10 games. So we're going to break those 10 games down into great detail. And then at the end, we'll also have uh, an honorable mentions section. So uh, without further ado, I thought we'd start with the one we sort of all agreed on as our 10th game, and that is Tunic. And uh, Tunic is, I guess, the the basic description of it would be an action-adventure game. Um, You play as a fox. There, there's there's a combat based mechanic to it, which we'll we'll probably get into. I was not a, a not a big fan of the combat in this game, uh, but but one of the things I really enjoyed was just the exploration, the the music, the vibes of the game, and going around and, and finding secret areas. But yeah, I'm I'm very curious to hear what you guys uh, what you guys thought of this. I think we all sort of had different experiences with this one. Uh, so. This is this is one of those games that was funny because I played this via Xbox Xbox Game Pass much earlier than I think anybody else in here. And I was mm. texting while while playing through with my experience. I text I was texting a lot to them, being like, especially Murray and our friend Colin, who's not in here with us. I was like, hey, like this is this is weird. This is something else. This is not, I think, what we thought this was gonna be. Um, I had a I think it's it's really cool, and I think. This we'll get into this probably as like a, a little bit of an overarching concept. I kind of texted Murray about this the other day about some of these games are kind of like a little heady in a way that I think last year Unsighted kind of got in that territory where I think Tunic and another game we're going to talk about here in a little bit both have this element of like kind of breaking down um, or throwing a spin on maybe a classic or taking some tried and true tropes of the genre and putting their own spin on it, whether it be like. Tunic is very much a throwback to the first Legend of Zelda game, which I've actually never played all the way through. But um, the the difficulty and the combat are uh, very much there. Uh, you're not alone in that. There were there's a particular part later in the game where I was like, "This is the most frustrated I probably was at gaming all this year." <laughs> um, just blindingly angry at one point. I beat it. I had to. I had, but it was like actually a, a full blown challenge. But yeah, the game. I know that word gets used a lot these days, but vibes, this game has such a pleasant vibe to then kind of feel like the later you get into it, it gets really kind of um, not demented, but just it's, it's, it's a sad world. 
yeah the lore gets very dark like when you find out more about i assume it's your your mother um mm-hmm. like what is happening to her and like i assume it's like a race of foxes we don't even really need to get into that because i don't even know where to start with that specific stuff but yeah there's a moment in the mines when you find out the truth about like the 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 obelisks in the world that's just very dis- distressing i think i would call it um yeah so you played it first on xbox then colin and i were playing colin was playing on switch i was playing on playstation at the same time mm-hmm. and yeah that turned into me and colin messaging each other constantly um a big theme for me with games this year is like community and just talking about games to each other it reminds me of you know a couple of years ago back with hades um i had that with like almost all of my favorite games this year and tunic was maybe the most i don't know refreshing one because it wasn't like competitive like neon white it wasn't um like bragging kind of like hades it was just like hey did you see this like do you believe what just happened here um and a lot of that comes from the manual um which yeah we need to talk about the manual and also we need to talk about it from the perspective of 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 boogs's experience with it because boogs i think had a very very different experience because of um there's a no fail mode on or in the game that you can turn on and i or i forget who it was had suggested like yeah if you get stuck just turn on the no fail mode just experience like the mystery of the game as opposed to the frustrating aspects of the game but then i think for boogs that also kind of morphed into its own frustrating experience a little bit yeah it's um like you it was you that suggested i turn that on pretty early on and it was like you know i'd been playing it for probably half an hour when i got that advice and i had died one time already um and yeah so the combat was obviously very was very frustrating you know even some of the common common enemies that you face in that game seemingly mm-hmm. took me like 5 minutes to kill at various times <laughs> Uh, they'll also have common enemies in these areas where like there's a treasure chest or something right behind them so that'll be like this narrow passageway and this enemy with a shield that is basically impenetrable Um, so yeah the the combat was the immediate thing that was like dang this is this is way too difficult I feel like (laughs) and and, uh, yeah so turning on that uh, that no fail mode so I wasn't constantly dying was probably something that that allowed me to get through the the entirety of the game but as you were saying with the sort of the manual that you you pick up pieces of this manual in this game as you go it's basically like they're collectible items and when you find a part of the manual, it's basically two pages of the manual. And the manual is like, I think, like 51 pages, maybe. If I'm... It's a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a, there's a good amount of there. So by the time I was finished with the game, I still was missing over. But, you know, I, and I got to the, the credits and everything. By the time I got to that point, I was still missing over 10 pages of the manual. And so the the other interesting element of this game is it this manual basically teaches you how to play it i mean obviously right. you can experiment and mess around a little bit yourself but there are very specific actions that the manual teaches you how to do and i feel like i missed certain parts of this game just because like i missed the manual that would tell me 
what uh, you know how to how to find these different things. Well, and not only does the manual tell you how to do things, but it also doesn't tell you because most of the time it's just an implication. Like all the spoken language in the game, I don't think any character that speaks like speaks English. It's it's like symbols. Um, and then the manual does have some English in it, but oftentimes it's not explaining things like it's not writing it out. It's like you'll get a picture of like a menu and then like you're supposed to really analyze it and infer like, oh, I can use these items I've been picking up to level up or level up my stats. I beat the first boss of the game without realizing I could level up my stats. It was very hard. It took me over an hour, but uh, it was a very frustrating experience, like right from the get go. I'm not used to being that frustrated with a game right off the bat. Um, I do think the difficulty it has a lot of ups and downs that are weird of like the first couple bosses i find really hard then it hits like a nice groove with like the librarian or whatever on the mountain i think that fight is genuinely good um the guy in the mines is really good but then the <laughs> final boss is like the worst final boss i've ever tried to beat ever um you can make the argument you're not actually supposed to beat the boss. Like to get the real ending, you're supposed to do all these side things, and then um, it's like a forgiveness kind of thing, or it's like you're rescuing the spirit, and so you don't actually have to fight the boss. But good God, <laughs> like if you do want to fight the boss, I have never turned on a no fail mode in any game ever, and I tried the boss fight once, and then instantly I just turned it on. I'm just like I. I don't want any part of this. That's that's really funny. And th I think this is going to like speak to all this and like the way we kind of came to this and the way we we worked through this game is I think it's like, that's a good way to, I'm saying it's a good way to put it, but like thinking about the way y'all are talking about it, like we all had to get through this. Like the game only meets you so far and the manual pages, I don't think there was anything more satisfying this year or it's in the, the top, that area of like, you find a manual, manual page and be like, mm -hmm. fucking awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. what's going on i didn't even realize it's a map to this place. okay cool the, the the sense of discovery is or, or the sense of like the exploration's there the sense of discovery is there but like when the pieces come together and the game is so cryptic mm -hmm. intentionally so that it, it's it's sometimes really really frustrating but it's also really like there's just nothing like this yeah. the manual itself is also incredible to look at yes i would love to buy a physical version of the manual just to have it it looks so good. It's so cute. It's so like of like the NES era. It looks like a Legend of Zelda manual, but way better and way cuter. Yeah, and like one one of the other things that was cool, you mentioned Wilk that there's there's a map that you get in there, and then one of the things that um, I didn't realize right away, but when I did, I'm like, oh, that's helpful. Is that like there's actually like the, a little fox icon on yeah. the map, um, and that that helped me figure out like you know okay i i gotta go this direction to get to this area and, and and whatnot one of the you know beyond the combat one of the other sort of frustrations and again i think it speaks to the game and and in some ways this is a plus because of the the sense of discovery but in other ways it led to being a bit of a frustration was just uh i i got a ton of items that i ultimately didn't really figure out how to use the things i found you know obviously helpful were the the main weapons like using the sword and using the um the grapple mechanic 
And then there was also like putting coins down the well was something I figured out from the manual. And that would mm-hmm. occasionally get you some treasures and whatnot. But, you know, there there's a ton of stuff on there that I, I think the game in part wants you to just maybe mess around and experiment a little bit. But also mm-hmm. in my mind, like, I don't want to just throw away these three items that I have in the event that I might figure out how to use them later. Right. I know what you mean. Like when I play an RPG, if I have like a mega elixir in final fantasy seven that fully heals your whole party. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm never going to use it because I'm going to be so scared about, well, what if I need it later? What if I need it later? Same thing with tunic and like the bombs. And like, um, I did use all of them at least once. Um, there is one area where I couldn't get past this like armored dude on a bridge. And there's one item that's like a decoy of you. And then they'll chase after the decoy. And I think it was a glitch. I threw it off. I accidentally threw the decoy like off of the map and the dude followed the, the decoy off. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Um, yeah. There's a lot of, like Wilkins said, it's very cryptic, but then that is what makes it really rewarding when you figure stuff out. So this is the part we really need to talk about this. I've been waiting to talk about this for months. So Boogs, and I know, like, I already know that you didn't figure this out, but do you remember in the manual, there's multiple references to the Holy Cross? Not really. Like I said, I, I, um, when we, we've had like a, a group text chat, which is where we've been talking about a lot of this leading up to this podcast. But um, one of the things, you know, I, I mentioned in that, chat and also hear that like i i'm missing 10 pages so i'm wondering if just like whatever the thing you're referencing with the holy cross just is one of those pages that i have missing that i didn't see it could be it's spread across multiple like there are many references to the holy cross because of how important it is um and it's funny i thought you had to find out what the holy cross is to progress i'm not but clearly you didn't um so when you see the words Holy Cross, and I think it even says something about, like very important in the manual about it, uh, you think it's going to be like a weapon or something. The Holy Cross is the D-pad on your controller. I, I forget how you find it out. But so like, you know, there there will be these doors throughout the game, right? That have like, you know, like a little pattern, like, you know, I can't I can't really explain that over audio. So sorry, anyone listening. But these little like lines Uh, almost like connected dot kind of things. If you stand in front of one of those doors and like trace the pattern with your D-pads, you just go like, right, like right up, right down, right. That door will open. Oh, damn. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. It's insane. Like I kept comparing it to the witness of like the Mm. first time you see one of the line puzzles in like the sky or whatever, just out in the environment and how that recontextualizes the whole thing. That completely changed how I thought about everything with this game because all of a sudden, everything is different. There's so many secrets tied to that. Like if you played it on PlayStation, I think. Like if you look through the trophy list, there's all these references to like hidden fairy grottos and all this stuff. That's all stuff that you need to have that information about, but is all missable even if you know the information. Um, And I don't want to bogart this conversation too much, but... I, we really need to talk about then the second big thing is I don't know if you found it. It's in like this snowy mountaintop area. It's like this giant wall and it's just one of those like super, but it's like 
a giant wall of those lines, that is another one of these puzzles that you're supposed to type in the code on the D-pad. But how you find out how, because it's like, it, I forget exactly how it looks, but some of it's like covered up and some of it's kind of worn and weathered because it's stone. You can fill in the blanks by looking through your manual and there's like markings on certain pages of the manual. Like if you, if you were to turn on the game right now and look, you might see like little line patterns that you didn't notice before hidden in like the margins and stuff. That's how you find out like the final puzzle and get the final piece of the manual. Now that I didn't figure out on my own and I never would have figured out on my own. I think you would have to literally be a serial killer to figure that out, but it's incredible when it happens. Yeah, I think that's the that's the first thing I'm going to do as soon as uh, we're done <laughs> recording this is go back to that and, and try that out because yeah, I uh, I definitely did not do any of that. <laughs> <laughs> like getting back to again like all of us coming to this so differently. I I love that. So I did. I fought the final bite. The final boss said, "Fuck this!" Yeah. I immediately went online, and I had known there was some sort of weirdness with like I found that mountain door, and I was like, "What is going on?" And I used the cross before a couple times to get into other places. Once I had figured out that manual page, so then once I realized what was happening, I just went and straight up looked up the pattern online yeah, yeah. and That's typed exactly in the. Let me get the let me get the exact number here of of inputs you have to type in here because it's, it's over fifty, I think. Yeah, I think it's fifty. I'm looking at it. Oh man, it is. <laughs> I, I don't even. It's like it, it's so many, and then you do that, and then I'm like, I I don't want to say I refuse to turn on the no death mode. I had a big thing this year, and this is like a general thing in my overall life where I'm like, you know what. I'm going to tough this out. Sometimes, again, yeah. you know, uh, not not a good thing to do. Now, I'm learning that lesson the hard way too. But this is one of those things where I was really proud of myself. I've always kind of struggled with video games and like consider myself somebody who I wouldn't say I'm great at games. I've just been playing them for years and years. And this game made me feel like, wow, I might actually be good at games. Like I beat <laughs> all the bosses with the no fail mode um, other than the last one that I obviously just went and cheated so I could get the yeah. real ending because at that point I was like, I'm not doing this. And I, I got the impression that you were not supposed to beat the final boss. So it's incredible to hear that. Did you turn on the no fail mode for the final boss moves? Yeah, I had no fail mode for pretty much my entire experience. Okay, I sort of made, I was like, I thought you beat the final boss without the no fail mode. I was like, you deserve a medal. <laughs> I, I've seen people do it. Obviously, I think a lot of people actually ended up playing that. I just was like, at by that point in the game, I was like, no, thank you. Because mm -hmm. I think getting back to the bosses briefly, I, the the one, is it, a, it was in the mine. It was a boss. Mm -hmm. It was like a giant spider. Uh, I, the spider that's the, that's like the engine something like the chaos okay. engine or something chaos engine no problem beat it in one go didn't think about it first boss uh the one in the west that was like uh guard there was the guardian mm -hmm. yes i took hour grinding yeah, it took me over Moving. an hour the, Just, guard, like, the garden night yeah the garden night thank you that was like i was like oh my gosh grinding i was like i got this we can do this then i fight that boss and i was like this game's stupid easy whatever <laughs> and then like, i had this experience constantly we're like i fought the librarian a couple times great i fought the boss in the uh who ends up being also the fox who can throw grenades who can kick stuff who's very like um and i was like right after you have that big reveal about what the obelisk actually are and you're like this is horrifying yeah, yeah. and so like the game is all over the place and then yes. the, when the game you become a ghost 
Oh, I, yeah. We we talk about that. And that's like another. That, that's the thing that that's all I thought you were coming here to talk about. The ghost thing. I, I remember texting you so distinctly in that group and being like, did the game really just do this? Did the game Metroid <laughs> itself? Did the game, you take away half your powers, pretty much everything, and you go to this world and you're very, very weak. And it mm-hmm. is just like, a challenge then you get to a point right before you get your powers back where you have to fight six rooms of enemies back I forgot to about back that. To uh-huh. back. and that is it i did that without the no fail mode on i yeah. was outraged that is i always like <laughs> I almost met, very karen-esque i almost messaged the developers online i was like who thinks this is fun <laughs> who thinks this is a good idea like so the game is so cool but like also briefly here listening to other people talk about this game I know somebody who was like, oh, I got the gun first. Like, I think I think Colin said that he got the gun a lot earlier than I did too. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's really cool to see how you could kind of go through it. And I don't know, parts of this game, and this is a weird thing to compare to, and I know we talked about this last year, I get some death's door from this. Is, is there yes. any, like, am I the yeah. one who's, I, I was playing this game, and I was like, kind of talking about it back with y'all too, and I was like, yeah, there's a little bit of, like, death's dory here too, but yeah, it, it's... It, yeah, the, the difficulty in general is something I would say is not for the faint of heart. And at points, it it feels a little get good and a little too much like Dark Souls. Yes. Where yes. I'm like, this is this is a little. Uh, it's it's. I think that's why it's not higher on my list this year. Where I'm like, I think everybody should play this. I think people should check this. And everybody should play this. Sorry, I'm gonna take that back. I think I I feel like this is for certain people. This is gonna be like the creme de la creme. I think it's a really interesting thing. Um, but yeah, there are parts that I'm like. I I don't know why the game would do this. Yeah, it's the most inconsistent game I've played in a long time that I still really, really liked overall. Um, yeah, Death's Door is a good comparison in terms of like, I wish the combat in this game flowed more like Death's Door. My biggest mm-hmm. issue with it, I think the combat would be straight up good without any asterisks if you would get MP back when you do melee attacks like Death's Door. Because you barely get any MP yeah, killing like ats in the fight, you get a little MP back, but not every boss fight even has little minions with them. So like, great, I can cast like three fireballs and then I'm done with magic for the whole boss fight. Like, I there are a lot of things I don't understand with the design process of this game, um, and the design thought and layout. But like, what's here is so cool. When everything is firing in all cylinders, I'm like, this is one of the greatest games I've ever played. So that only happens like 20% of the time. And then all the rest of it, I'm like, God damn, like what were y'all thinking? Um, but yeah, it's very low on my list too. It honestly might just be on my list just because I want to talk about it. I think that's all it really is. Yeah, the the last point I wanted to make uh, about it was just like, again, going back to what I said initially about like the discovering and and finding secret areas and stuff. I think like the it uses the visual perspective like it's kind of an over the head overhead sort of angle and it uses that really well to like disguise you know there'll be little like areas where you can run around the corner and it looks like there's nothing there but there actually is something there Mm -hmm. um you know even like when you when you get the sword initially i didn't realize right off the bat that you could like actually cut those like blocks on oh. the ground to actually mm-hmm. access new pathways um, for for the longest time. Like you can't even access certain things because it you need like a, a dash skill that you get later in the game that then allows you to to get so many more things. 
And then like even the the stuff with like the teleportation where you can actually on those yellow squares, you can teleport to different areas. Um, that was that was something really cool to, to figure out and discover. So that was that was really my joy with the game. But yeah, the the combat was always a struggle. And one of the things like speaking to the idea that um, Colin got the gun first and, you know, it's cool that each of us have a different sort of experience based on what we get first and what we don't get. But like, I didn't even get the shield for the longest period of time. And I think that also made the combat a little bit more frustrating early on. Yeah. I think you didn't even know there was a shield until I said something about it. Cause I think Colin had also missed the shield. I'm like, yeah, you might want to get the shield. You could parry and stuff with it. And yeah, like I said, inconsistent is how I would describe this game. And it's a shame because with some tweaking, I feel like this would be just a 10 out of 10 game, but it's still really, really, really cool. All right. Well, uh, let's get into the next game. Matt, I believe you're up first. What uh, what game do you want to talk about? Okay. So I'm bringing Chained Echoes as my first game, which is probably this year's Unsighted. Um, hopefully we won't get that bad about it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to go take a nap real quick. <laughs> um, you know what? In terms of like a game, there's not going to be that much to really say about it. So it's a turn-based RPG, very, very heavily, insp- heavily inspired by um, a lot of Super Nintendo RPGs like Final Fantasy VI, Chrono Trigger, that kind of stuff. It's just a super refined one of those games, and it's made mostly by just like one dude in Germany. Uh, Matthias Linda or something. Um, the main thing I really want to talk about with this game is like the combat is amazing, like the best turn-based combat I've ever experienced. Within like an hour, I was already like, yeah, this is this is like masterclass. But by the end, I was like, I wish like I could play like a Final Fantasy remake that has this exact uh, combat style. So. Every skill that you have is uh, qualified as like um, a buff, a debuff, heal, magic, or like like an attack or a strike. And then you in the corner you have this meter, the overdrive meter. So you start off, you're in this yellow area in every battle. Then you get into the green. That's where you want to stay as much as you possibly can. You take less damage. You do more damage, I think. And then past that, you're you're overheated. So you can't just go into any battle and just blast all of your favorite skills constantly. That's what every RPG turns into eventually. You have to strike the balance of like, I need a team that has like a decent amount of varied skills, varied types of skills. And we have to get into the green. We have to stay there, especially when you get to boss fights. Um, I've never played a turn-based game that like had me like craving boss battles. Like this. I was like, give me more. Um, early on, uh, there's like this, there's a minecart boss fight where like y'all are standing on this platform that's going down these minecart tracks and you have for just this fight, you have like a map that you can pull up, uh, and you need to change directions on the minecart while fighting a boss and while dealing with being poisoned and trying to heal and attack and blah, blah, blah. There's a couple bosses that mess with your overdrive meter. Um, like they'll make there's this Kraken optional fight that like they, it keeps reducing the green area of your meter. 
So it becomes harder and harder and harder to stay into the overdrive meter like unless you kill it as fast as possible. There's another couple bosses that like split your meter or split the green parts. So like you're good, you're right dead center in the middle, then all of a sudden they do an attack and your meter is like it's all over the place and you're in overheated mode and you're just taking a ton of damage. Um before I, I let Wilkins talk about it a little bit, I'll also just say the story is really good. Um, starts off like a little bit tropey in the first act, but by the second, there's four acts to the game. By the second act, it is one of the most like heartfelt explorations of like, I don't know, like lineage and like generational like duty and sins of the father. Um, super good. I, I can't say enough good things about this game. To put into context, this is my number two game of the year. And that's saying a lot because 2022 is maybe my favorite year for games ever. I I like I wouldn't express, yeah, I'm bare, I'm right there with you. I think Chained Echoes, this thing kind of keeps happening where um we'll kind of come to something a little later. This came on a game pass and I got it. And you were like, hey, I th- I I'd heard people saying this is really good. And I was like, okay. I'm going to get there. I've been, as I get older, I find it harder and harder. I think we can all attest here that sinking JRPGs, especially for me, feel, or RPGs in general, or JRPG inspired, I guess is a better way to put that. There's something so off-putting at a point as an adult where I'm like, 100 hours? Like, Uh what is this? Like, you know, (laughs) I just just don't, my free time is very valuable to me. So I spend a lot of that deliberating. And I, I picked this up and I at points feel so like it feels ripped from that era, but the quality mm-hmm. of life improvements are so good. Also the, the overdrive system is super unique. The battle system is so good. I would almost say this is like, hmm, there's a little bit of almost a boss rush element here where the yeah. bosses like uh, of almost a, a shadow look of the Colossus sort of like the bosses are the highlight. Yeah. But, but, but also you can also, it, it's got a little bit of this thing where I've died to, to regular mobs. Every fight yeah. has weight to it. And if you aren't looking for that, I, it's it can, enemies can get you really, really quickly. If you're not paying attention, if you're making mistakes. I mean, I, this is the first game in a long time where I'm thinking, I'm looking at the order and the right screen of the characters and the enemies and like, okay, if I do an agility buff, I mean, I've really <laughs> got into the builds. I think this yeah. game does a really great job. Unique characters. Everybody's got some. There's just so many... This this person who made this, this is a love letter to these games, and it's so well crafted. And like a couple hiccups here or there, this mm. is man, it, it's really something else. I, I don't want to get so so into it because I feel like there's so many things we have to talk about. And this is right. something that like I'm literally I'm more or less late to this today because I was playing Chained Echoes this morning so much and so and so late last night. Like I'm on to the last boss, so I'm right there with you, and I think. Yeah, I, I I love the characters. I love some of the revelations. There's almost a ghost. Tr- I don't want to give away too much, but there's a ghost trick level sort of like what's going on here. When you see there's a revelation, you're just like, oh, holy shit. For JRPG fans, I would compare it to like, I guess this is spoilers for Final Fantasy VII, but the cloud, Tifa in cloud subconscious in Final Fantasy VII, uh, in terms of like how it, changes the context of everything and how it kind of messes with the characters um i cried multiple times to this little 
sprite-based JRPG made by a dude. Um, we didn't even talk about the sky armors. So yeah, like, there's an entire the, other battle system. <laughs> at the end of the first act, you get introduced to a whole secondary battle system. Like you get mechs, and the battle system it still has an overdrive meter, but it works differently. Like you shift gears, so like there's gear zero, one, and two, and gear one, your all your attacks send your meter to the right. Gear two, it sends it to the left. Um, gear zero, it's neutral. And then enemy attacks always send you to the right. So it's this super precarious balancing act of like, ooh, like I'm getting really close to, to the left edge. I want to keep doing more damage with my gear two, but I can't, I don't want to go into overdrive, but maybe it'd be worth it because the enemy is going to hit me and then they're going to send me back into the overdrive. Um, and yet the bosses, did you find the um, the little red riding hood in the forest? I haven't yet, and I know you mentioned this, and that one's one of the more as an optional boss. It's yeah. very challenging, and I that you were telling me a little bit about it. She just has all these attacks. She can um, insta kill. She gets two insta kills. Um, no matter well, not no matter what. I figured out a way, but she can insta kill two party members in one turn. She can send all your party members' health down to one in one at attack. It's also you have to do it in a certain number of turns because she's trying to assassinate someone. So every couple turns of hers, she moves further to the right, closer to her assassination target. And then because it's a Little Red Riding Hood theme, she summons a grandma and a wolf as like familiars. It's insane. And I had to completely like rework my team composition, but it was so fun. I was up till three in the morning just a couple of nights ago doing it. Um, Sienna, the assassin character of yours, like I gave her the dodge step. Yeah, Sienna's pretty cool. Uh, gave her the dodge step so she gets like three physical attacks she just doesn't get hit by and then I gave her like the aggro boosting thing so I made her sidestep and then mm. gave her the aggro boost so then the assassination attempts the insta kill moves were just on her but she avoided both of them oh, it, when I figured it out when I finally got my team comp right amazing amazing uh, there's so much depth to the game that like they don't even introduce the aggro mechanic until I don't know, like 30 hours in or something. It was ridiculous. Um, I would say a lot of developers and teams have been trying to like recapture the magic of Chrono Trigger. Even Square Enix themselves, they tried with it. Like I am Setsuna game that got middling reviews. Um, you know, Chrono Trigger was very lightning in a bottle. And I think the problem is with trying to recapture magic like that is that they always try and play it like too safe and too similar to its inspiration like you can see the inspiration that chain echoes has there's a lot of it i'd even compare it to xenoblade in a lot of ways with like the reward board and stuff but it is so its own thing um i'm curious to see like sea of stars is coming this year that's the most blatantly chrono trigger inspired thing i've ever seen but i will be shocked if i play a, a jrpg in the next like 10 years that i think is as good as this it is absolutely fantastic but unless Wilkins has more to say about it, we can probably move on. There's not a ton to say beyond. If you like RPGs, you have to play this game. You absolutely have to. It, it's, it, yeah, to touch on everything you said, I think you put all that really, really well. I, the thing that it's got me doing, and I think some of the games this year are kind of noticing a trend for me, is kind of recontextualizing, recontextualizing 
gaming for me and like actually exploring the mechanics and and getting in there and doing the work mm-hmm. like i am never an an a you know debuff buff yeah. person and this game has made me an abuser of those things <laughs> the character sienna he's referring to is a a an agility based character and she has all these agility buffs and i've just been buffing to the point where i sent him an image of the turn order today and there was no enemy in the turn order <laughs> because i had buffed so aggressively that no one could touch me and i mean it's just like the game it, it feels it, it feels good to i don't know how to capture this i don't know how to put this chrono trigger feel does not feel like anything else and nothing has come close to that until I have played Chain Echoes. If you enjoy Chrono Trigger, if you enjoyed Illusion of Gaia, if you enjoyed Final Fantasy VI, there is something here. There is magic in a bottle. This game has something that other things don't have. It has insanely unique characters, great mechanics, a lot of depth. But the thing here, too, this game is a really, really good example of knowing that it's not too much. There's not too much there. There's just enough. Like the writing is good, the the sprite work is really good, the music is memorable. There's a base building mechanic. There are sky armors. It is got about the everything. base building mechanic. Yeah, there is a little bit of everything here, and I think all the systems are also deep. The battle systems are deep enough so you can go to the next level. Every other mechanic is just deep enough. This game does such a good job at almost restraint of when yes. to give you stuff. I'm forty hours in, and I feel really good about my time and murray can attest especially i am very quick to be upset with a video game if i feel like it's my time to the point where it's a problem but this game i think is is stellar and that i'll leave it on that i i cannot recommend this enough all right wilkins let's uh let's hear the first game that uh, that you're bringing to the party i'm bringing today vampire survivors so also another Game Pass game, everybody, Xbox Game Pass is the best thing in video games. And I think I think I, the amount of games I played on this year is astonishing. So Vampire Survivors, another interesting one here where it's sort of a deconstruction of bullet hells where you become the the bullet hell, I guess is a good way to put it. Yeah, it's you're a, avoiding it's the a, bullets. Yeah, you're avoiding the bullets. But. In this instance, you are the person shooting the bullets, and it's an auto-shooter. So when I first saw this game, I was like, I don't really understand. A lot of podcasts, a lot of people I follow in games journalism and media were just like, this is so unique. You got to get in there and try it. And earlier this year, I got into it and kind of saw, or I played it on, sorry, before Game Pass, I downloaded it on Steam. It was 99 cents or, or a couple bucks um, and put some time into it and had some, you know, some decent runs, but very Castlevania inspired, very much inspired by Castlevania. So you, you, you'll pick a character, you'll kind of go into an openish map and the game doesn't really say anything. No, nope, you'll notice immediately. Yeah, not at all. You'll notice immediately that um, whatever character you choose, and they're all pretty unique in the, for, in the first part there, um, will each kind of have a different weapon and they'll immediately start shooting out. Enemies kind of rush to you onto the screen and you'll have to dodge the enemies and your weapon will keep firing. Again, no button presses other than you using the analog stick here or the keys or wherever you're playing it. Um, And then quickly, after you kill a handful of enemies, you'll pick up some blue orbs and then you start building what becomes just screen destroyers. This game goes for stuff where there are points where I know I don't think everyone has played as much as I have, where you'll be the screen will be covered, covered in a litany of, of 
of bullets and swords and whips. And I, I have spent, I, I think this is the game I probably played the most this year. I find it to be so good for listening to a podcast and doing a build and you have 30 minutes. You have such a concise amount of time to get in there and get the thing done. And the, the waves keep getting harder and you're trying to, the way things work. I got into a place too, very much where it was like methodical, where I'm like, Okay, I need a garlic. Okay, I need uh, I need a king bible. Like there are certain weapons, especially the garlic has a repelling element. It's uh, it can go in one of the top categories. There are two different categories. There's supportive items or more passive items, and there's weapons as well. And then you get into a point where the weapons and then start the weapons and the passives combine. And then <laughs> there's points where there's multiple weapons can combine with other weapons. The game, I'm rambling. It's so it's it's such <laughs> a unique premise i don't think it's going to be everyone's thing but it really does something that i don't think i've ever seen another video game really do i know that vampire survivors wasn't the first one to do this but it's the one that sort of popularized this this genre um i'll say something real quick i feel like i think i'm probably the one that's played the least of it out of the three of us um i've only played a couple hours of the mobile version um when I first saw the footage of this game, I'd, yeah, I'd heard people talking about it on podcasts, like, yeah, dude, Vampire Survivors, this is amazing. I was like, okay, okay. And then I was watching a stream of someone playing it, a streamer that my wife follows on Twitch, and we turned it on, and it was just utter nonsense. Like, <laughs> I had no idea what the hell was happening. And my wife was like, what is this? And I was like, I don't know, but everyone's talking about it, and I, I want to understand. I didn't understand. If you watch this game... It just looks like gibberish. It just looks like just screen-filling nonsense. So when I saw that the mobile version was like a full port, like no microtransactions or anything, I downloaded it and played it. And yeah, like within five minutes, I'm like, okay, I get it. Like, I didn't make it to the point like that we saw the streamer at where his screen was just completely full of nonsense, like literally no room to move or anything. Um, you know, seeing all these like auras and like passive things going on. I didn't reach that point because, like I said, I only played a couple hours. I tried each of the first five characters or four at least once. Um, Wilk called it like a deconstruction of a bullet hell. Would yes, I would also go so far as to say it's almost like a deconstruction of like video games because it's almost like the opposite of like how you know video games are mostly um, built on your engagement with it, and but then there's a little bit of passivity. This is almost the opposite of like. This is kind of like 80% passive. You're kind of just like moving around trying to plot your course to grab enough orbs to level up and then picking a thing and then starting it all over again. And it's just surviving as long as you can. Uh, it's super interesting. I never played anything like this. Um, I think it's really cool and I just really wish it was on my Switch. Yeah, I um, I, I also got the, the mobile version. I'm I, I will buy this day one as soon as it comes out on either Switch or, or PlayStation because uh, I, I really enjoyed my limited time with it. Um, the, the, one of the things I mentioned in our group chat that it immediately sort of reminded me of was uh, one of, and, and, and this is also one of my podcast games, is like Geometry Wars Pacifism Mode where you are just literally, um, you know, maneuvering around a screen, trying to avoid the enemies. Um, and then like in, in geometry wars, in that mode, you, you go through the red lines to then create like an explosion to 
to kill off enemies that are near you. In this, yeah, you you basically are using your weaponry and um, getting close enough to them that you can hit them with your weaponry, but not close enough that you actually get hurt. Uh, and then, yeah, like the the way you you build up things as as Wilk was stating with the the whips and the axes and all of these different things, it, it reminds me of like shmups essentially, and how you're mm-hmm. you're constantly building up that arsenal to to uh, to take out more enemies. Uh, but yeah, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I the the challenge playing it on the mobile version obviously is like you're you're literally just using your finger to push in a direction and that can be uh, that's that's a lot more that was a lot more difficult for me to maneuver around as i actually intended com- compared to you know using a joystick yeah i it's interesting so i'm not having played the mobile version and i, I just want to say briefly too the the creators of this game and the, the developers which i don't have off the top of my head um great great twitter presence very 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 um like just honest about the product they said that they were they somebody had approached them about doing a mobile port of the game and they were like awesome and everybody had included microtransactions they literally said fuck that we're going to make this game we're going to we're going to port it ourselves because we don't want microtransactions which right. is incredible and their dlc which they said they felt bad about is like a dollar and it was literally <laughs> like an extra 10 hours of content so mm. After you get past the first round of five characters, the characters keep getting amped up with more and more specific buffs. And there, you know, and I don't want to give away too much because y'all haven't gotten there. There is a whole card system. There are secrets. There are reverse worlds. There are hyper worlds. You can make the claim. There is there is a lot there. I got all I got 100 percent achievements on Xbox, which I don't think I've done for a game in a long time. Uh, it is so unique, and I cannot wait for y'all to experience like the full thing, especially on. Switch or PlayStation, which hopefully is coming soon. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, I'll get to uh, to my first game, and uh, this game is actually my my top game of 2022, and that is Ali Ali World. And uh, this is a you know fast paced, skill based 2D platformer where you're a skateboarder, and so it's got like a you know a sports game element to it. I would say that like games like Trials and Runner 2 are sort of, the, you know, it, it incorporates some of the things from, from those games. The, the first thing I probably have to get into talking about this game is just sort of, you know, how you play it. And it's a lot just based on using the, the joysticks. You're, you're doing a lot with the left stick um, to do basic tricks. You're just flicking the left stick in, in a variety of directions to do advanced tricks, you're doing like sort of semi-circle moves. There's two components to what you're you're trying to do on each level. First being obviously just completing the level like a lot of platformers. Um, but then there's also, you know, a high score element in this game as well. And the advanced tricks not only get you higher scores, but they also um, increase your elevation. And the, the, the game and the courses do a really neat job of making it so, especially when you try some of the more difficult areas of each course, uh, a lot of the, a lot of the levels have, you know, kind of more of a simple route and then they have what's called a gnarly route. Um, And on those gnarly routes, you need to utilize the advanced tricks to get enough elevation to clear gaps and, and, uh, and avoid obstacles. But 
the the easiest way for me to say why I love this so much is there's there's just something magical about executing multiple advanced tricks to have just enough elevation to clear a gap, and then you'll have sequences where you're you're grinding and then you're wall riding and then you're utilizing a grab to avoid slamming into an obstacle. And I said at the beginning, it's very fast paced. So all of this is like going a hundred miles per hour. So you're executing <laughs> eight to 10 things in, in quick, rapid succession, similar again to like a run or two. And when you pull it off, there's, there's not really a better feeling in games in my opinion. Yeah. Um, we talked a little last year about flow state games. I think it was solar ash. We were talking about it with, and yeah, I think this is the best flow state game I've ever played. Um, it, yeah, it, the feeling of pulling off, like, okay, I'm grinding on a rail then jumping off then turning that into a wall slide and then doing an advanced trick off of that and then landing it perfectly. Some of the best feelings in a game I've had certainly last year, but like, I don't know. It reminds me of Tony. It's like a side-scrolling Tony Hawk in a lot of ways, which is also a very excellent flow state game. Um, so I, I probably put a good 20 hours into this. Um, I was in world three or four. I had a couple issues with it. Um, the biggest issue, which is not the game's fault is that I think Elden Ring came out a couple weeks after <laughs> this did. <laughs> and then, uh, that just took up all my gaming time for like six months. Um, Spoiler, we're going to be talking about Elden Ring at, at a later point in this podcast. A little bit, yeah. Um, but also, it requires so much input. Like, if you want to actually get a really good score, because you get higher scores by doing more tricks and get chaining more tricks together and blah, blah, blah. It's intense. Like, none of these levels are that long. I don't think I played any level that was, like, over a minute to just go through but yeah to actually get high scores i would be sitting here for like half an hour just trying desperately to beat a score because each level also has like challenges like get it reach a certain score and then also like hidden objectives i'm trying to think of any off the top of my head like wall grind over this entire like billboard and have the crowd cheer for you as you pull an advanced trick off of it or whatever um the way I play video games, it just didn't work with how this game works because I don't like moving on until I've done everything in a level. So I'd be spending like half an hour plus on just a single level um, to speak about another game we're going to get to in a little bit, Neon White. I had the same thing with Neon White, but it just didn't it didn't tire me out the way this game did because it's not as like complex and complicated and it's not as input heavy. Um like, yeah, we're talking, like, you have to do, like, Street Fighter, like, quarter circle forwards, half circle backs, full circle on the stick. It's intense, but also extremely rewarding. Um, real quick, it's actually coming to PlayStation Plus as a free game in, like, a couple of days. Like, I I think I'm going to pick it back up and just start from scratch on PlayStation versions. Yeah, I, um, I, I've played this the least of everything in here, so I only got... 30 or 40 minutes in, I would say I felt like I was going to switch. I had, to, I'm going to move my, I got, I picked it up on PlayStation. Now it's going to be free. So I am a little burnt by that, but that's my own doing. Um, I, I'm going to try to give the game another shot. I was having some struggles with entering any sort of state of, of movement. So 
Um, hoping to get back to it, change my TV over to a game mode, and hopefully there'll be a little bit. Mm-hmm. I felt like there might be some issues with latency. So mm-hmm. rather than uh, being able to beat this game where it actually is at, I'm going to have to kind of come back, retool it. Maybe if we can all play on PlayStation, we can try some high score stuff like that and see if that can get us into like more of an overall competitive thing, which is, I think, what really helped a game we're going to talk about. Obviously, here in a second, Neon White, too. Yeah, um, and like the, the combo element uh, is also a big part of what helps you like build up a high score. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously, as, as long as you're wall riding or grinding or doing an advanced trick or, you know, if you land on a regular surface, but you ollie, that continues the combo, which helps you get higher scores. But like speaking to your point, uh, Matt, about just like the the difficulty, I think the thing that I was able to, uh, you know, and again, I don't, I don't play games as intensely as you do. But the thing I was able to do was mostly just play it in my first run through and just going to just beat the levels. Right. Mm. And then, you know, coming back to the levels later and, and working on the, I think it's Mike's challenges. Mike is one of your, the main character's friends that gives you, I think three different challenges on each level. Um, But that was something that I, that I actually really enjoyed about it was that like, you know, I could come at it from any sort of difficulty that I wanted. If I just wanted to beat the level, you can do that. And the game throughout uh, each world teaches you, uh, continues to give you tutorials on like the different things you need to learn to succeed. Um, But like a lot of the stuff is purely just high score things you're learning. It doesn't necessarily, you're not required to learn everything to be able to just get through a level. Um, mm-hmm. But then like, again, with the, with the gnarly routes and they're even like, you can change lanes at some point, which if you change the lane, then the lane you go to is a, is a more difficult version of the level. Um, you can, you can sort of pick and choose how difficult you want your experience to be. Um, I also real quick want to shout out the game looks gorgeous and the soundtrack is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, it really looks like, I don't know, like Adventure Time, like modern era Cartoon Network. Well, Adventure Time isn't that modern anymore, I guess. But um, also the character creator, very good. I made a dude that I'm like, yeah, this looks like a cartoon version of me. Um, and I think that was another reason why I kind of got hung up on the challenges was because I wanted to unlock all these um, clothing items and stuff. But yeah, it's uh, it's a very neat game. I, I tried playing one of the earlier Ali Ali games and I just couldn't get into it. I, I think it was mostly just the art style. So I think on that front, this game is a huge success alone. Yeah. The, um, the, the worlds I think are really interesting too. Like there's one world that's like kind of a futuristic resort setting. That's got to be, that's world five. So I don't think either of you even got to that, but um there's uh, in in world two there's this level called grizzly rapids where you chase uh-huh. a bear who's floating down a river <laughs> that and it kind of is switching back and forth between who you being in the foreground and the bear being in the foreground it's uh that was really fun um there's there's even dlc for the game and i thought the dlc was you know it wasn't super intensive but it gave you kind of like one of the dlcs was more like a grab focused DLC and then another one was a windy situation like you have currents that lift you up um okay. so like the DLCs were were really neat because it just said okay we're, we're we're adding one thing to the experience and you can focus on that for all of these levels so yeah i 
Um, I, I highly recommend it. I, I understand that there is, um, yeah, there is a bit of a learning curve. Uh, but uh, I think, yeah, as, as Murray said, if you're willing to, uh, or if you're able to um, get past that initial hurdle, it's, it, it's very, very rewarding. So uh, let's get to the next game. And uh, Matt, I believe you are up. What do you have for us? We've got neon white, which is uh, at one point, I almost swore this was my favorite game of the year. I would actually say, um, objectively not my favorite game of the year but like subjectively some of the best moments in gaming i've ever had so uh it's a first person platformer basically and then i think a lot of people got thrown off from trailers and stuff hearing that there's cards in the game like a lot of people get real weird about like card based games i used to be one of them um i think deck builders are pretty cool now but that's not even what this is the the cards are just a representation of like what abilities you currently have at the moment so it's just a first person platformer you're picking up these cards that are both guns and uh mobility abilities movement abilities and you're just trying to get through the level as fast as you can um the aesthetic is just straight up like early turn of the millennium anime i mean steve bloom voices the main character spike from cowboy bebop um he basically just is spike from cowboy bebop uh the, the D B soundtrack is insane i think that's the most like that is my most listened to album of 2022 is the neon white soundtrack even outside of the game um it's hard because like it's hard to talk about the game because there's really not that much to say, you know, like you grab a pistol card, you have a pistol and then you can discard it. And that gives you a double jump or rather a, another jump. Um, and each of the cards has its own unique mechanic like that. Like the shotgun, which is probably my favorite when you discard it, it's the fireball and you kind of go in whatever direction you're facing. And you also get like a, kind of like a destructive fire around you that kills enemies. Um, the game never lets up with that intensity um, from the level design to like the different abilities you're getting by the end of the game. I know Boogs, you didn't reach it yet, but the end of the game, you just get like the book of the dead or I forget what it's called, but you just, you snap to whatever you're facing enemy wise or object wise. You can't just teleport anywhere, but if you can see an enemy across like, like a mile away, yeah. if you can lock on, you can click the discard button and you're just, instantly there and they're also dead um but the level design is so clever it's so smart um i i'm gonna have more to say about it as we talk about it more but i'll, I'll let one of y'all give your give your take on it a little bit oh yeah i um i I, I've really enjoyed it. Like I um, I was I was mentioning in the in the text chat that I'm probably like uh, I believe I'm in like the fifth or sixth world at this point. I have like six days until the judgment. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. So I, I wasn't able to get through it all, but I've been really really enjoying it. And yeah, the the card element it was a bit of an adjustment because like yeah, you're not only having to figure out okay what. Because again, with each card you you mentioned, you have you can fire them as just a traditional weapon, or you discard them, and that gives each thing like two different sort of uses. And like figuring out, okay, this card, this colored card, 
does a certain thing and sometimes you you'd get mixed up or i think oh crap i forgot this this does this and i was thinking it was going to do something else also having the jump be the um the left trigger was also something that i had a hard time getting used to i often found myself like just pressing a button on the controller that i would traditionally associate with jumping and then just fall to my death Uh, but um yeah the the way it executes um as to like the level design and what cards you're getting uh, is, is really neat. Like there are moments where, yeah, you have, you get a card where you dash and you dash through a doorway and break through, and then you get a stomp card that then allows you to um, go down to the ground and crush all the enemies in that area. And the, the game does a really neat job of, again, similar to Ali Ali world, that quick succession sort of move set that, that feels really satisfying. But yeah, I, I've had a I've had a really good time with it. And I, I obviously plan on finishing, but wasn't able to get to uh, get to it all before this. Yeah, I uh, man, I, I think there's something here really special uh, with this one. I I think Murray kind of already touched on maybe the early 2000s is I feel like kind of having a renaissance and I have a particular fondness for the what's a 99 to 2004 aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This game really cashes it. The soundtrack in particular by Machine Girl, who I just looked up, is touring with 100 Gex. Uh, I believe I will be going to that Atlanta show. That is incredible. I The soundtrack not not only takes from, before I geek out too hard, drum and bass, jungle, very, very classic two-step garage. A lot of these sort of classic UK uh, electronic music genres are kind of brought in and kind of retextualized. And the soundtrack in particular, I think really adds some, I don't know, it helps with the flow. We keep talking about flow states. We keep talking about this. You're going and you're chaining together these cards and you're hitting these enemies and you're hitting your marks. And then you're seeing the game does such a good job with the leaderboards. When you see those leaderboards, when you unlock after the more times you complete a level and the better you complete a level, you're graded. And it's bronze, silver, uh, it's gold, and then it's blue or ace. Black. I think it's called ace. ace. Yeah. And then there's a secret one past that, which is the developer. Um, but the more you do that, you get a ghost, so you can see your performance, so you can work off that. The game wants you to speed run the game, and I don't think mm-hmm. any other game does as good a job as kind of forcing you into that, but also not making you do that. It, mm-hmm. It's really good about like you know, getting you into these things and and making you better at the game as you work through it. And that soundtrack just kind of pulses behind you as you're sort of trudging along through this. And this game has such a LimeWire, Sony Ericsson. It, it, it's, <laughs> it, it's such a unique thing. I think for me, especially, uh, you know, as a millennial, it really hit a lot of those notes. Aesthetically, Stephen Bloom being in the game. I do think this game's story is both uh, a little um, trite, uh, I would also say the game story is a bit underrated. People were acting like this was nails on a, a chalkboard, atrocious storytelling. I think the game, if you're willing, as we keep talking, willing to need it, it is, I think, intentionally sort of dumb. Yes. In a bit, but there is some depth to be had there. And the game is eerily similar to Cowboy Bebop in terms of story at multiple points between if you're familiar with uh, Spike and, um, God, what's his face? Long hair. Uh, shit. The main antagonist of the series, uh, yes. Anyway, sorry, not, not coming to me. No, I, I I can't think of his name either. But yeah, yeah I, I, I could see it. Vicious, vicious. Thank you. Vicious, yeah. 
Let's go. Um, so the, the game really is taking or aping almost from those things, but I think it does a really good job of contextualize, like recontextualizing those elements and bringing them into a modern era. The game feels and flows in such a modern way where I don't think this could exist in any other time than now, given that, you know, mm. there's world leaderboards and I've become a real fan of just watching people absolutely break these levels on YouTube and being like, yeah. oh, you know, chapter three, level six, uh, well, you know, barn all right somebody has somebody has taken has killed all it's just it's just incredible in the game really it's it's just so unique uh i will say for me i felt like a couple of the boss fights were a little like a little too i have to learn the path you know like uh, the game has a good thing where some of these levels are really really snappy and it feels awesome because you're moving through it there's times where i feel like a couple of the levels and a couple of the boss fights stay around for a little too long and are a little mm-hmm. too dependent on trial and error where i would prefer to be like this since you were making snap judgments it is and again does a good job of getting you back into level but when levels start to run uh especially marathon when you start to get into the three or four minute mark and your your hands are literally sweating i don't think my hands have sweat more in any other game than this there was a Uh point during marathon where my wife was watching me and i was standing too i was so close to the screen i was like please make this I, i mean i enjoyed it but i also was a little like i wish this would end you know um yeah yeah i i think it's, it's definitely in my list i'm I'm really glad that ben esposito went from making donut county which i think is like one of the cutest simplest games the last handful of years within an, another incredible soundtrack which i believe he did most of it himself um to go into making this is just stellar yeah uh we yeah we need to talk about like my disappointments with the game a little bit before we get back to like the real high points and my main disappointment is that well, I guess we'll talk about, yeah, the end game, the levels keep getting a little, little, little bit longer. And yeah, by the time you hit Marathon, like, do I think Marathon is a really well-designed stage? Yes, it's mm-hmm. awesome. It's really fun. But also, yeah, it's like three minutes. Like, the ace time is like, I don't know, like three minutes. The red time is like 2.30 something or something or something ridiculous. Like, it, I think that goes against, like, the design ethos of the rest of the game, which is like, hey, all these levels are like less than 30 seconds. And even if you mess up 10 seconds in, whatever, it it doesn't matter. Um, And I think that also contributes to to the, this isn't the game's fault, but like, so when the game came out, I think that was early July of 2022. um, (laughs) Everyone I know was playing, well, not everyone, but like people I hadn't heard from in years were like, Hey, you play you play Neon White? Like friend requests me on Switch. Like, let's get let's see some times. Like, I want more times on on my leaderboard so I can like compete. Um, I, I some dude on Twitter never interacted with him before. I saw he was posting. I'm like, hey, your neon white times are real good. <laughs> like, we friend requested each other just to have more competitive times on our leaderboards. I think at the peak, the first couple of weeks of neon white being out, I had like 12 people I know, like posting crazy times and like we were just we kept one-upping each other um i think maybe my favorite moment playing a video game ever was i forget me colin and then my buddy seth uh we each at one point or another had multiple number one world record times in separate levels or the same levels um i forget if it was a level i was trying to be colin's time on or seth's time on but it was like Four in the morning, I had German class the next day. My wife had been asleep for hours. I'm just sitting there like, okay, I, I can't, I need to shave off like two more milliseconds. 
I got to go to bed though. I get in bed within five minutes. I had grabbed my switch. I had put it into a tabletop mode. Like the kickstand was out and I had my pro controller and I'm laying in bed, uh, shaving off the seconds. <laughs> Didn't get to bed till like 5 a.m. I did do it. Um, it was amazing. No game has ever hit me like that. I've never been like, put a game down and then been like, no, like I'm it's five in the morning, four in the morning. I'm coming back. To, like I'm finishing this now, even though Seth or Colin is going to get the world record time back tomorrow. And then I'm going to be back doing this exact same thing again tomorrow. Uh, no game has ever hit me like that. The problem is I think a lot of people just kind of like wore themselves out on it because mm-hmm. by the fifth episode, like, people were just done like it was it was just like me colin and my buddy justin we were the only ones i knew that beat the game on switch at least i think seth has gone back and beaten it since then but like everyone was just done by world five and that that really like that hurts me <laughs> um you know it's like when 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 y'all when you when your friends grow up and they move away and she's like hey like can we just I just want to play video games. I just want you all to be posting times again. Remember two weeks ago, that was real good. Let's let's do that again. And no one was doing it. Um, again, not the fault of the game. I guess the fault is the way we engaged with it and did too much with the first couple levels over and over. But um, still such a special game. Um, if, if it weren't for the people falling off of it, I think this might have been like, my number one at least number two but yeah it just too many people fell off but y'all should play neon white yeah i i just had a couple more notes on it um the again speaking to like the rapid succession like executing platforming stuff there's these like black balloons that are enemies that you bounce off of they have they use those in really neat ways to get you from a lower elevation to a higher point um the, the other thing that I really was impressed with, and, and this goes to the level design, like even where the enemies are placed within the levels, but the, the fact that you can go through and seemingly be shooting the enemies, but not really feel like you have to slow down and stop to do so uh, mm. is, is, is really impressive. And it, it makes, the, makes the shooting, you know, in a lot, a lot of times I feel like the shooting would be something that for me would detract from a plat from the platforming in this case i feel like it almost enhances it and then the the final thing i wanted to say was and and matt you suggested i do this before uh as sort of my uh last thing i did before we recorded this podcast but go and find like the gifts that you can give some of the side <laughs> characters and that opens up some side quests as well and and um just gives you a different sort of uh, look at the level design and the side quest I found really fun. There was one, I, I believe it was Violet's first side quest, where it's this Violet's whole thing is she sets up traps for you to, to kill you. And uh, you're navigating all of these. And then the end section of this level is this huge wall of spikes that you have to navigate around. And and the only, um, the only ability you can pick up or the only card you can pick up is the Elevate card, which is that pistol that allows you to jump back up into the air but you have to like very the 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 hallways are so narrow you have to be very careful about how what direction you're jumping and then exactly when you're using the discard ability um yeah there are two more things i want to say real quick that i totally forgot Uh, i don't know what level i think it's probably in like the second episode or whatever but um 
when you get like the rifle, the one that's like real long range, the first time like you realize like, oh, I can just with a perfectly aimed bullet, I can just snipe this enemy across the map and then not have to go over there. And I can just keep going my way. The first time you realize that's possible, it just opens up like the whole rest of the game and all the things you can do. Um, and then another really clever design thing I want to talk. Oh, I also want to mention real quick. Yeah. What Wilkins said about the story, people really acted like this was like offensively bad. And I do agree. It starts off very a little too horny. Um, even yeah. if that is, that is like what they're going for and like what they're making fun of, but like, yeah, it, it was decent. Any like, uh, fire escape, the way they were talking about it was like, it literally killed someone like, no, it's fine for what it is. And yeah, I'd even say maybe even, yeah, a little underrated. Um, but yeah, the last thing I want to say about it is when you get different medals, like you unlock different things, like the gift isn't available in each level till you beat it or whatever. Um, I forget if it's silver or gold you need to get to to unlock like a ghost of a shortcut and each level has one um, I saw people complaining about like well, what? they're just showing you the shortcuts you can unlock well what's the point of that it's amazing game design because it's trying to encourage you like hey we'll show you this shortcut now you find other ones like it never I shouldn't say never it almost never shows you like the shortcut or like a shortcut that you can like really save some time on like yeah you'll save a few seconds but it's there is encouragement to experiment and i think it's hugely successful on that front yeah i, I think that was an interesting thing and yeah i'll, I'll cap off my thoughts here too is that yeah I, I really enjoy the way that the all the gifts kind of everybody's unique the the four or five major characters that you can give gifts to all have their own unique sort of levels that are like, hey, you can only use this item, you can only use these cards, you can only discard, or there's no cards. And, you know, um, that's uh, a really unique and really good way to, like, design the, especially from the main storyline, which is very focused on discarding and card, you know, you're going through and cycling through these cards very quickly. And this kind of gets you to work, look at those levels a little bit differently. But yeah, the the story in particular, and also hearing other people, I believe it was on Next Lander, where they were like, why would you want to see these shortcuts? I'm like, the game wants you to get better. That's something I think people are sort of missing here is that there's a leaderboard for a reason. I don't think it's right. to discourage you. It's to encourage you to get better because that, that also opens up alternative routes. And there's a lot of looking at a level design and going, I didn't even fucking think I could do that. And I remember right. very distinctly in one of the first world, it's the one where you, you start off, there are three glass platforms, fall up a piece of glass. You get the sniper up front. And I remember you saying, yo, you can snipe the two black balloons on the far left. And I was like, Yo, like <laughs> this is crazy, and I, I and that's the thing too. Was like I tried not to look at levels until I beat them to then see where to go because right. it is really cool to figure out that stuff for yourself. But that ghost is really helpful of keeping everything within it. I do think not being able to view other people's game, like their records, is a completely botched thing. If you could yeah. see replays in here, I think it'd be massive. A bit of a bummer. Other than that, I think. This is like a perfect game for right now and a, a perfect game for sort of um, more. I, I, there's a lot of like a, an element of the way I look at running, too. And, you know, as a, somebody who likes to run where you're like, you're just getting a little bit better every time and you're improving that number. And there's something you could a tangible number immediately afterwards that it keeps track of that you don't have to go to for, you know, go through some other third party app. It's all built within the game. And I think it's all really, really smart about that. Really great UI, too, throughout. All right, so Wilk, I believe you're 
You're up again. What uh, what game do you have for us? We brought Pokemon. Um, and I think this will be more of a Scarlet and Violet discussion with Arceus sort of added in later. Um, this is Generation 9? Yes, 9. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think I have been more excited for a video game in a very long time since Scarlet and Violet. And I am happy to say... Pokemon Generation 9, I think, might be my overall favorite video game of Pokemon. And overall, maybe second or third, but behind Gen 2, maybe my favorite batch of Pokemon ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I took off work for this. My coworkers were very upset with me. Um, I work at a very busy <laughs> restaurant and I run the door. Um, they had to deal without me for one night. I was like, I am playing Pokemon. I went to a midnight event. I want to pick this up at a GameStop in my at 20 minutes away because they were the only one doing it. And there was 50 some people in line. It was really packed. This game did a really good job, I think, of bringing Pokemon into the modern era, updating a lot of things about Pokemon. If this game ran 10% better, mm-hmm. 20% better, I would say this is the this is the best Pokemon game ever. It, I, I can't say that solely because the performance is so poor. But man, did Pokemon go out and really do it. I, the, the, the characters, the region, a lot of it is so inspired in seeing this whole region sort of based off the Iberian Peninsula. Um, I, I w- I, real quick, like, yeah, it's very Spanish inspired, but then it's not. There's just like a whole yes. like bamboo forest full of samurai for some reason. But yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. I, I think I think the areas themselves are all really distinct, and Pokemon going for a more open world and a little bit more of a um, a, a non-linear structure has really helped. That for the first couple hours are very Pokemon, but once you get to that, it is just like, hey, go see what's up, have fun, and you're only really limited based on um, what your uh, companion, whatever riding companion you chose. Oh, Coridon and Maridon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Um, I went with, and I, I think as you sort of expand those abilities, there you get to see more and more of the map. But man, I um, want to pass it off to Murray because I know I think we both were really, really stoked on this, and we're both very, very much in group chats about this game and kind of talking with our friends, especially our friend Colin who's not here, and kind of we, I think we both kind of fell back in love with Pokemon, but I don't want to speak for you with for you too much. Yeah, it's funny. I I came to this from like the opposite perspective of well, not fully, but like the Sword and Shield. I really liked it first, and then by the time the DLC hit, I was just like, I, I I'm not really about this. Um, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, I thought were like straight up like bad, like not even necessarily as remakes, but just revisiting them. I'm like, oh yeah, these aren't very good. Um, so going into 2022, I was like, yeah, I'm not that excited for Arceus. I'm not really excited for scarlet and violet um yeah we'll talk about arceus a tiny bit loved arceus super good despite it has problems same way scarlet and violet do um and then yeah scarlet and violet i still wasn't super hyped on it based on just how it looked yeah it looks pretty bad at times um and i was like oh great another mainline pokemon game just make another arceus thing real quick um no scarlet and violet yeah it's for me, it's by far the best Pokemon game. Like, it's not even like a competition, really. Unless if you count like new Pokemon Snap, okay, that's in the discussion at least a little bit. But um, 
for me, I was yeah slowly falling out of love with Pokemon, and the combination of Arceus and Scarlet and Violet really just fully brought me back in. Yeah, to your point about like the best new batch of Pokemon. Yeah, for me, hands down, the best batch of new Pokemon, and I really like Sword and Shields too. But like, there's too many to even name. But like Cerulege and Armor Rouge, these like ghostly Mega Man fire things that are so cool. Um, all the paradox Pokemon, like Iron Valiant, Iron Bundle, like the weirder ones, like uh, I forget its name, Slitherwing, like the past um, Volcarona that looks like a, a kaiju. Um, I was always like so pleasantly surprised, and even a lot of like the non crazy ones are cool, like uh, Doxbun, uh, the, the, the little pretzel bun dog is super cute. Let's go. um and also the the new legendaries it's the first time i've liked the legendaries in a really long time like not just the writable ones the koridon and maridon but the four disaster ones or whatever that like Mm -hmm. i know you really like the snow leopard Uh, i i love the the goldfish um so cool because Pokemon started getting really over-designed with their legendaries from, like, Gen 4 onwards. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, in the original games, I liked stumbling onto a, into a cave and, like, oh, there's an Articuno at the bottom of this cave. This is crazy. As opposed to, like, oh, I'm fighting literal god and putting it in a Pokeball. This is dumb. Um, whereas this is just, like, yeah, these are just super powerful Pokemon that have, like, a little bit of extra lore tied to them. Um, I will say I think the thing that that really set this game over the top for me is is the shiny hunting and the raids because they they're kind of they work in conjunction with each other. Um, so raids they introduce this in certain shield, but they're multiplayer like co op things where you and up to four other or three other people fight like a giant super strong Pokemon. Um, the rewards you get are pretty good. You get candies that can level your Pokemon, which is nice because if you catch a new Pokemon or breed a new Pokemon, you can instantly just get it to level 100 and get all the stuff you need just because you've done a bunch of raids. Um, but by doing the, the harder raids, you also get the these Herba Mystica. I uh, should mention that you, sandwich making is a big part of this Pokemon game and sharing the sandwiches with your Pokemon. Um, and it works kind of like Monster Hunter where you eat a meal and each meal has different... Um, buffs and bonuses so like you can encounter more of like a certain type of pokemon or get more experience from a certain type um so you can also run into shinies more which for anyone who doesn't know shinies is just like a different colored version of a pokemon and it's like a one in eight thousand chance of running into one without any uh of these these buffs applied um my wife and i we've put like 100 hours into this game post storyline just doing shiny hunting like we've caught so many cool ones i've got a shiny you know, iron bundle iron valiant i've got a shiny my second shiny azumarill um it's just a lot of fun it's fun to like you go and check your raid dens every day i'm like oh here's a five star that can drop a salty herba mystica we need to do this and then you get one and then it's like okay ooh, which pokemon am i going to use the salty herba mystica on to, to go shiny hunt um I don't know. It for me, Pokemon always kind of lived and died by how much there is to do once you beat the story. Because Pokemon games are so much fun and they're so cute and all the designs are good, 
But in most Pokemon games, once you beat the story, I don't have a reason to keep playing. I don't do competitive Pokemon. It's too much. Like, yeah. I think it's super cool. I've had mm -hmm. the Pokemon tournament regionals. I think it's in Orlando right now on all weekend. It's cool. It's too much for me. I'm never going to, that's never going to be me. So to have a more reason to keep playing and engaging and playing with your Pokemon, that's so good. That It's so good and it just hit this sweet spot for me where i can't stop playing and i every couple weeks they're doing these like legendary raid events where they have these they've had charizard and greninja and stuff like me and my wife we were at the mall when they announced the greninja was the next one and we were instantly like oh well we can use this and this we can use um slow bro to water absorb or whatever we can use um it doesn't matter don't need to get too into the weeds but it's amazing. Um, there's a lot else I want to say about it, surprisingly, but I'll, I'll hand it back off to Will for a little bit if you want to say anything else. Yeah, I, I think I think the thing is that the games are in such a good space right now, and I think the games do a, so much of a better job, even compared to Sword, Sword and Shield, with just playing the games. Like, mm -hmm. they're, they're, it's more fun to catch Pokemon. This, the bats of this Pokemon this, this time around are a lot, I think, simpler designed overall with just more cohesive design choices and i just like them personally i just like them a lot like i think mm -hmm. even the starter area i was just so like oh my gosh this is here this is here and yeah. and as time has gone on i found more and more that i liked as i used them and it was the first time in a long time where i'd had an issue where i was like there are too many pokemon between both the games this year where i was like i would rather you i don't know who to use because i like them all so much right like there's 400 pokemon in this game and like i was constantly throughout the whole game switching out like ooh, well there's a crocodile now i gotta use crocodile and, and yeah shots out crocodile i mean we absolutely i mean since what generation five five yeah yeah i've been an absolute fan so it's so cool to see that and i i made a really strong point to not be spoiled on anything i know there were there were leaks and i tried to avoid all that and i think that was really the good way to go a good way to go into this i had i had talked myself in that this was going to be awesome it's a new pokemon and then i don't think the game showed well at all i don't think this and or rcs showed well at all to then get into both those games which are i think lacking some real overworld charm and some real mm -hmm. discovery in the overworld are both though amazing games i think rcs does such a good job of sort of switching up the mechanic of how you catch pokemon and making catching pokemon the mechanic which i know they didn't let's go but i think this does a better job of that personally speaking of hey these pokeballs and you're filling out this you're, you're filling out what's what do they want to call it it's like you're for the professor and you have this whole book and depending on who how many pokemon you catch in certain areas i think pokemon has definitely has a battery in its back now i think it was running out of steam there and i think and it, it, there's again i cannot stress how fundamentally flawed these games are to the point yeah, where it's, they it's are. detrimental to the to these games but they're incredible and as somebody who's been with the franchise for 30 years now almost it, it it's so cool to see them doing new stuff and having and, and falling in love with new pokemon and not just holding on to lugia and heracross and azumarill that we all have been doing for you know generations now and not that i didn't like pokemon and sword and shield but man they they chose such a good mix of, of the pokemon throughout i'm so stoked to see what they do with dlc for sword and shield uh scarlet and violet and yeah a lot of great character designs and the stories heartwarming there are multiple story points where i was like man this is really really good yeah uh the main thing i still i wanted to ground back to were yeah the story and the mm -hmm. soundtrack which 
we also have to talk, since we're talking about Arceus a little bit too, the Arceus soundtrack is out of this world good. Like, one of the best Nintendo soundtracks I've ever heard, I think. Um, Scarlet and Violet also super good. I, I think it's not quite as consistently good to me as Arceus, but, like, the tracks that stand out are amazing. We don't need to get into spoilers, but, like, the, the final area with this, like, otherworldly music going on by Toby Fox, the Undertale composer, um, just the final area, period. Like, yeah, the story going on there is, like, near automata levels of like contemplating existence and 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 all this stuff but it's pokemon (laughs) um there's this one moment uh at the very very end like during the final boss and wilkins you'll know what i'm talking about where um you can't use your your pokemon like you're fighting this legendary pokemon you're fighting this evil trainer and and they, because you're in this like scientific research area, they can lock your Pokeball. So you can't send out any Pokemon except for the Pokemon assigned to that person's ID. So it's basically the, the bad guy is the only one that can send out a Pokemon. But the Pokeball that you've been carrying your legendary Pokemon in uh, the whole game is also registered to them. So you can only send out your legendary, who up to this point, you've been healing it. Like it's, how you traverse the world is riding on your legendary motorcycle lizard thing. Um, And it's been scared to fight because the thing you're fighting is like another one of it. That is like the alpha male of its species. And there's this moment where, yeah, in the battle, like you see this cutscene where a pokeball doesn't come out and they, they take you to your select a Pokemon menu but it's all your Pokeballs are grayed out except for the legendary one that you've never been able to send out before. Like, that's, without getting into too much spoilers, that's, like, cooler than even the final moments in Kirby this year, at least to me. Like, I saw what they were doing, like, three seconds before they did it. I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, that's really damn good, especially for a Pokemon game. Yeah, I, I think when you're facing off without giving too much away against robotic uh, hot dad in my instance mom in my instance yeah Yeah, i was just like whatever it says right before the fight i can't remember the line it it, it says something along the lines of like you have to like come and like it's like come and get it It, it, (laughs) it's like in a different font i was like this is fucking crazy like it it, the, the final area in pokemon not only is one of the best areas the most unique and probably the best area in any Pokemon game. One of yeah. the better areas I've ever seen in any game. If it ran well, I think we'd all be in a, an amazing spot. The music is unbelievable and has this mm. sort of storing choir and these weird synths. And it's very like unnerving, but also yes. it reminded me very much of later scenes in Neon Genesis Evangelion where you're unsettled, but you're also like astonished by kind of what's happening. Um, yeah, Pokemon, I think really went for it this time around and did a lot of new stuff while like sort of innovating. And again, cannot excuse a lot of what it did, but it's, it's a good time to be a Pokemon fan. Again, the new card set will be out in March, Scarlet and Violet. And I'm like, couldn't be more excited to see these on a piece of cardboard. Like that's where I'm at with the series where I'm like, I might watch the anime. The mm-hmm. other, the Ash anime is starting soon. They're wrapping up with Ash's 26 year adventure. Uh, Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I, I really, I love Pokemon and it's, it's so nice to see it get a, uh, you know, some new life in the, and, and hopefully 
they get to they can get the games into a better place. And I do feel like some of this is brought upon by the Pokemon cycle and that the anime and the merch and it being the biggest franchise in the world is causing some issues on the game development side. So hopefully they can uh, rein that in at some point and they can focus on um, performance as a, uh, going forward. Yeah, to, to clarify, we we kind of danced around it. Like this game runs like garbage. <laughs> um, Arceus kind of too, but to a much lesser extent. But yeah, if they can fix like how these games like look and perform, yeah, like that's my only issue with this game is just yeah, the performance is the worst I've ever seen in a first party Nintendo game. It's I don't want to say inexcusable because I really liked it and I've put nearly two hundred hours into it, but yeah, it shouldn't be like this for a game series that makes this much money. It, it, it's upsetting to say the least, and I, I would I would. I also think this is a really good jumping off point if you're not into Pokemon, if you're looking to get into Pokemon. Um, I think both of these games do a good job on two different sides of the spectrum of getting you there. Scarlet and Violet being your first Pokemon, I think, would be a great place to start as it's got a lot of love and character and it has a good story. And um, yeah, it doesn't have traditional, it's not as traditional as, say, Scarlet or Sword and Shield, sorry. And uh, But yeah, I, I think it, it's, they, they really did something special here and I, I just wish it ran better. Honestly, I'm just still reeling from the fact that GameStop is still doing midnight releases in the year 2022. It, it it's it was really interesting. Um, so it wasn't technically midnight because I don't think they're allowed to do that anymore. Um, I it was it was really cool, and it does seem like that some of that is dependent on which store you went to. Uh, I got into the GameStop subreddit. Um, where people, employees of GameStop were discussing their local stores and somebody had bought pizzas for everybody and had a tournament. So it is really cool to see that. And like I, um, and we'll get into this with Fortnite here in a little bit, which is also on our list uh, this year of community. And and Matt had been talking about that too. Of It was really nice to be somewhere, even though I had headphones in and it was in the freezing cold and I stood in line for 30 minutes. It was nice to be around what like-minded people, even if I didn't interact with them, I felt a part of something larger. And I feel like a lot of gaming this year um, with how good it has been, has been really helping me connect to my everyday life. And shout out to GameStop, even though they're probably an atrocious company for having midnight releases. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, I'm next up and uh, the next game I'm, uh, I'm going to, to discuss, which is a game all three of us played. And that is a little Gator game. And this is a, a third-person sort of open-world exploration game. It's similar to, like, you know, a Zelda Breath of the Wild type of type of gameplay. Um, I think the, the best word to describe this game is just it's pleasant. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the music is, is really light and fun. Um, the dialogue is cute and witty. At one point, you get to orchestrate a sheep and a bull becoming friends. Uh, there's, there's just, there's just a ton of cute stuff throughout. Basically your character is a gator and you're trying to get your sister to play this imaginary game with you and your friends, but she is busy studying. Um, but, uh, the story pokes fun a lot at like, you know, the fact that you're creating this imaginary game and certain characters are going along with it, like really putting on an act and then others are just kind of half-assing it as well. Uh, But there's a lot of good humor out of that. I I think the story does a good job of like showcasing good behavior. Uh, One of the, one of the first things you get is a stick as like a weapon to destroy cardboard and, and, and whatnot and fight fake enemies. 
Um, but you find out later that there there's a character that the stick belongs to him, and he straight up asks you, like, "Have you seen my Have you seen my stick?" And you have the option to tell the truth or lie. And if you tell the truth, he not only lets you keep the stick because he says, like, it seems like you're enjoying it. So, you know, um, you can keep it. But he, he gives you a, a better weapon as well then. Um, so there's just like a, a, a wholesomeness to this game that was really sweet beyond the fact that I thought the you know, the gameplay was fun in its own right. Yeah, I think yeah, pleasant is just there's no other word for it. Um, I think for me. It's wild to think about Breath of the Wild is nearly six years old and we've barely gotten any games that like are going for a Breath of the Wild feel. Um, and even the ones that we have, like the, what was that Ubisoft game, like Phoenix Rising or something? Uh, I played mm. the demo of it. It's like Immortals a Greek, Phoenix Rising. Immortals Phoenix Rising, yeah. I see, um, yeah. It's, it's like a, a Greek god take on Breath of the Wild. And it just, I played the demo maybe it gets better but like i hated it <laughs> um so to have like this little indie game about just like this cute little gator boy trying to uh get his sister to play a game like why <laughs> it's cool that this is the best breath of the wild like out there but why <laughs> like why is that the case um yeah i don't have much to say about it it it's one of my favorite games of the year um it came out of basically nowhere i'd had it on my steam wish list i don't even remember where i had seen it and then it came out i was like yeah yeah, i'll try this it looks a lot like short hike it's definitely going for a few similar vibes as short hike um short hike also extremely good and yeah it it's just super pleasant oh one thing i do want to shout out is the um just all the details like for instance you unlock all these you know costume parts for lack of a better term like you can put on different like things in your head, like a helmet and you can replace like your wooden plank shield with like a skateboard. And that also changes like some of your animations, depending on what the item is. Um, I think my favorite one was putting on the ninja headband and then your run animation became the Naruto run with your, your arms. Yeah. Back behind you. Yeah. That was extremely cute. And just like a fun, cute, missable detail. Whenever I got an item in the game, I instantly was like, oh, yeah, I want even if I'm not like as big a fan of this as like the vampire outfit or whatever, I want to put this on. And then being shocked, like, oh, it changes some of his animations. Uh, just really cute. Oh, I was also a big fan of um, the uh, like the bubble gum or the balloons, like when the ones that like let you float and your dude just, I don't know, the ragdoll physics are very silly. And the way he waddles and runs is very, yeah, yeah. That's what I like about the game. It's just all the cute little things going on. Yeah, I, I think it, it, it's kind of, it, it's nice to have one of those games, especially at the, at the end of the year here, that kind of really gives you just, uh, cozy gaming has become so popular. Um, I, I think it's, it's, it's just, it, it's nice. The game, the mechanics are good in a otherwise, I think sometimes these games or games similar to this rely too heavily on vibes. This game is fun to control, very Breath of the Wild, sort of deconstructed, which I think you said in a text message, where you have bars for your stamina and your climbing, but it's it's just fun to glide around. It's fun to, to interact with the characters. There's so many just little things. And the game, again, is really good. A lot of games this year of it's, Five to six hours, maybe less. Mm. I think I played for four. My wife played probably closer to six. And I, I yeah, it, it's just, it, it, there's nothing, 
it doesn't, it's not aggravating. There's no real overall, there's not too much tension. The game is pleasant. Your interactions with your sister are pretty heartfelt. Uh, as somebody with an older sister, I could relate to quite a few of the sort of situations that started occurring there or having an older sibling and and wanting to play. And also maybe just in general as, a, as adults, there's times where you are trying to maybe do something that's more fun and playful and the people around you are not as inclined to, to participate given that, you know, them being adults and having other things going on. And I think this had been, this had been one of those things I had seen on Twitter, I feel like two years ago, been kind of been like, when's that coming out? When's that coming out? And the second mm-hmm. I hit the switch, I played this in one night and was like, this is awesome. So many of the interactions are so memorable. A lot of the items are really fun and just designed well. And you're, there's like, Hey, I have a sticky hand and I can stick to like <laughs> the, everything is so mechanics driven. Um, and the, the, the aesthetic is really nice. The music's really pleasant. And I think all the, like, sort of the major two pieces of finding three, two separate groups of three people on different sides of the island really are really fun. And they both have their own little interactions of finding a bug or helping people and and chopping up the cardboard and getting the funfetti and piecing together stuff like that. Yeah. You'd be hard pressed to spend $20 this year and not have a better, just more chill, pleasant time. And I think when it came out, it was on sale for like 13 bucks or something like, yeah. One of the biggest like, no-brainer values in gaming this past year. Um, yeah, I, I while you were talking, I did think of another word I would use to describe the, the game. That's frictionless. Like there's, there is like nothing in your way. It's just go and do what you want. Like go glide around, go slide down hills, whatever. I forgot about like the little challenges. Like you get like little little toy ray guns or whatever, and there's like bullseyes that you can hit in certain challenges with them. There's also like speed run challenges of like, yeah, get across this whole section of the map as fast as you can. But like, none of this is difficult. Like, it's not meant to be. It's not the kind of game it is. This is meant to be like, hey, I spent like a Saturday afternoon just playing through this game and it was a really nice experience. And yeah, there's there's not enough games like of this quality that are like this. Like Short Hike is the only other one I can think of that even comes close to like having this vibe to it but also still being engaging there, there's a really like uh it's a hard um thing to balance of like making something like super charming and super approachable and super frictionless <laughs> but still being fun and engaging and not boring and i was never once bored yet five hours i think is what it took me never once was i bored i was i beat it in two sittings and yeah the whole time period between the two sittings, i was like man i really want to get home and play a little gator yeah, and the the ending. I, I know Wilk got into this a little bit. I found the the ending message to just be really sweet. Um, you know, it, it not only I think talks about just sibling relationships, but also just relationships in general and valuing and respecting the time and effort other people put into you know um, hanging out with you or doing things that make your life easier and just being generally empathetic i think it, it has a lot of really positive messages for children and adults alike i yeah i uh i, I thoroughly enjoyed it but uh, yeah let's let's move on to the next game on uh, on our list and i believe matt you are up yeah so the last game i'm bringing is elden ring and to be honest i've kind of been dreading this because i don't <laughs> really know how to talk about elden ring <laughs> um to put this in perspective, this is like my number two favorite game of all time at this point. I've put like 600 hours in. I've watched my wife play for like two to 300. Uh, 
when I finished Chained Echoes, the first thing I did was like, oh, now I have all this free time. I can start another Elden Ring character this past week. Uh, strength and faith is what I'm going for this time. Um, it's so hard to talk about this game, and I don't know exactly. You know, I like look. I got a bunch of notes here about a lot of games. I didn't write down anything for Elden Ring because I I don't know how to describe it. Um, at its most basic, yeah, it's it's open world Dark Souls, which is cool. I'm a big Dark Souls fan. Um, you know. This was kind of the year where open world games kind of. I've, I've, I'm always very dismissive of open world games. I think I, I think it gets used as a crutch a lot of like, well, how do we make this like bigger and better? Make it open world, but like a lot of the times it doesn't work for me. But between Pokemon and this, even the little Gator game a little bit, um, yeah, I'm kind of more excited about open world stuff in general. But. What Elden Ring excels at more than any other open world game, period, like even more than like Zelda, is the sense of discovery to me. Um, I, I don't even know where to start with this game. Like just going, just stumbling around, getting getting your ass beat by these giant things out of the field for hours at a time, and then you just ride your horse a different direction. You stumble onto a cave, and that cave has this weird cat robot boss and then you get its weird giant hammer weapon that shoots magic bullets in a circle there's so much going on in this game i just don't know how to describe it i i, I don't know wilkins is probably gonna have to jump in a little bit to keep me guided because i there's so much going on in this game yeah elden ring is is sort of like Almost, and it's been. I, I played earlier this year. I did not be, finish it. I got to the fire giant. I'm about 80 hours in, which is incredible to say that I'm 80 hours into something and not be done with it, or even what I perceive to be close. Um, I am a like souls lover from a distance. I enjoy watching people's videos of them. I always think that they they're they're so interesting. And this is the year we're like tackling with some of the stuff that I've been like kind of wanting to get after. And Elden Ring is really good about bringing you into the Souls world and making it a little bit easier, but also maintaining being Souls. It's it's not a Souls-like. It is a Souls game. It feels very much like that in terms of the aesthetic and the music and the world and the, 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 the sort of the way the lore is sort of held out. I have played, I've gotten through maybe five to six hours of Bloodborne, this is the farthest I've ever gotten in a in a, uh, a Souls game, and I think Elden Ring does a really good job of bringing you into the fold mm-hmm. um, of of playing a third person action game that is very about very combat focused. But with, between the ashes and the summoning, the game does a really good job of giving you tools to help you through some of these harder fights. And they and, and given that the open nature, the, the open structure of the game, and how vast the world is, and how little you know about the game when you start and giving you this map and just kind of, man, there's been some really, really good open world games this year. I think you, you know, you touched on that already, but just finding stuff and being like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> like I, early in the game, if you head east a little bit, I remember maybe being near, near the lake where there was that dragon, you mm-hmm. you can open up a chest and it teleports you to a horrific mine filled with centipedes with spears and it, fucked me up and it wouldn't let me go back and i was like what is going on in this game like it, it the game does so much it has such distinct and unique like 
areas. And, and I, I think the biomes in this game are probably the best other, other than maybe Kirby in the last handful of years of just being just distinct enough and kind of being not tropes themselves, but kind of iterating upon those tropes where you have the, what's the, what's the area East that's everything's fucking red and horrifying. Hey, hey Kayla, man, Kayla, <laughs> I, I, I like, I don't know. I, I, in my build too, I, I getting into a lot of builds this year and, and like getting, digging deeper into the mechanics of stuff. I, I didn't, I still don't fully know what I'm doing in Elden Ring. And that's both exciting and terrifying 80 hours in, but it's also really interesting. And I actually think this is a great, again, much like Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, this is a great place to start with a Souls game. I'm sure some people are going to say I'm fucking crazy saying that, but there's enough in there to get you into the fold and really bring you into that world. And I also think it's the best looking and one of the best sounding. And it's so, it, it, it has such a unique atmosphere that other games want so bad but they can't touch it yeah uh, to to cutting off your your uh jumping on point so my wife um she loves like high fantasy dark fantasy like art and uh, she's an artist um and she's always been like yeah interested in dark souls from like a distance but because of like frankly the community's like very shitty attitude towards like newcomers and stuff she's always been like apprehensive and like never like well they people always say these games are so hard and like yeah they are hard and they're meant to be challenging but it's not that's not the point you know i was always kind of disappointed when from software the developers they started like i don't know drinking the kool-aid themselves and like the the original pc version of dark souls was called like prepare to die edition like that's (laughs) not that's not what makes dark souls good it's the world and the atmosphere and like how unique it is and it's not even really that hard compared to other things, at least. So the day Elden Ring came out, that was my most hyped game of the year last year. Um, my wife was off work that day, and I was sitting here playing it for, I'd say, between an hour and two hours. So let's just say an hour and a half. It only took an hour and a half for my wife to like literally take the controller from me and be like, no, I'm, I'm making, I had made a samurai. I'm always the big, dumb katana dude in, in games, obviously. Uh, and she's like, no, 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 like I'm making a faith character right now. Like I'm, I, I need to see like some of the magic in this game. I need to see what, like what's going on and stuff. And her playing it that way then made me be like, oh, well, despite how far in I am, I kind of want to do magic stuff. Okay. So she's doing faith. Let me do like intelligence sorcery stuff. And then, you know, the game is so big and so long that even though I was like a couple hours in, I could start kind of melding my dexterity-based character and start doing uh, int on the side. And then it became like this feedback loop of like, my wife would watch me play for like six hours. And then it's like, okay, I'm going to go cook dinner. Here, you can have the controller. And then I get back and she's in a place I've never seen before. And she's like, oh, I found this, like, I found this magic tower and I had to kill ghost turtles. And then I got up here and there's a spell and stuff. I'm like, what the hell? Let me... I had to grab my my Chromebook and I was I literally was making notes about like okay go south when the next time you play the game go south okay and then this cave in Caled has you get to beat a worm and then you get uh, the the moon veil which was a Dex and Int magic katana that shoots out blue beams of magic which was perfect for my dumb intelligent samurai build um, that when I say like neon white was like my favorite moment of like getting into bed at 4 a.m. and still continuing to play despite obligations. If that's number one, this is number two. Like enjoying the game 
on such a higher level because of the way like me and my wife were like playing off of each other and it's not stopped like that game is nearly a year old now and like i for christmas i just bought my wife the official art books which was pretty expensive and it's like you know like at the time i was like why would we buy an art books like we we've already played like 500 hours of this game we we know the art but then i'm like no we're we're getting these art books and we're going to analyze them even though it's all in japanese like we're going to look at these and just soak it all in we've watched hours of like lore videos from bati vidya on stuff and we like out of nowhere a couple months ago my wife just started talking about um uh, again talking about like the big twist of the game i don't even i don't know if wilkins you reached this point but like you, you might not have found it anyway uh you know, Queen Merica, her second husband was Radigan. Uh, they're the big reveal that you is very easy to miss is that they're the same person. But the game, because of how cryptic these games are, you don't even necessarily know what that means. Like, are is that her, an alternate persona of Queen Merica? Is that actually like a different personality sharing a body? Like, what the hell is going on? Um, I guess I have to take back. Uh, Chain Echoes is not the unsighted of this year. I guess it's Elden Ring, but in this yeah. case, it's just I, I. There's so much to talk about. Like, I get we could just do a three-hour podcast about like the best Elden Ring moments. So again, let me. I guess I'll, we can end this pretty soon. I guess I'll throw it back to Wilkins in a second. But I do just want to shout out in terms of maybe the best moment in the entire game for me, and it can happen right away. It happens very early on if you stumble on it, but that first time you get to one of those like elevators and you go like three miles beneath the surface and you're just like, what the hell is this? Why is this elevator going down so far? It's taking like a literal 30 seconds for you to go. And then all of a sudden it's like, you're so far underground, the sky opens up above you and it's like, you're in outer space, but you can see like the giant roots of the tree. It's insane. I, me and my wife were sitting there like our jaws were open like i've never had that experience with a game like this it's all i can really say is like when is the dlc like you have to give me dlc and like soon yeah i i mean i i to touch on that i wanted to say when you were explaining those two people being the same that none of those words were in the bible and that was very hard for me to follow um uh but it it, it it's it's really an achievement in its own right. And even if I haven't put in as much time as you, I feel really comfortable saying that like it, it, there's nothing like it. There's nothing that's come really close to this in terms of open world, in terms of the, the, the challenge, giving a really great push and pull, the customization, the discoverability. I think it's, it, 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 I think it does a better job of open world than Breath of the Wild. There yeah. are things to see and to find that are so unique and so distinct and finding a cabin and you're summoning you're, there's, you just stumble on stuff and you're just like there's giants in this world okay that's fucking crazy like okay and then you stumble on something else you're like i didn't even know okay actually if i you know I, without going so far down the wormhole you'll just constantly find something and be like i didn't know you could do this and that recontextualizes everything oh i can take a right here and i don't even have to fight that first boss i can go to an entire new area of the map that i shouldn't be in but i can go to anyways the game will not pretty much gate you off from anything yeah and like nothing way, it's all open and then the way that side quests work where you can 
kind of come in and out of them very fluidly and you're discovering you're fighting wolf men and then you're helping weird witches who are have been asleep in the floor that you're just it, it's it's very miyazaki and it's very it's very his vision and it i know there's a billion people who worked on this game but it's it's so unique and it's 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 like masterclass, and that word is so overused it is truly uh something it's, it's something unique um yeah and one other thing i wanted to say too about like how open the world is yeah or i guess two things I've seen so many YouTube videos of like people that like because you know you come out of the crypt that you that you're you were dead in or whatever, um, and there's just like that creepy little dude in a white mask. He's just like ah maiden, ah, you should go east. You should go trust me. And like you go, you follow the guiding guidance of the grace, and you get to the first. You can get to the first major boss, Margaret, in the first like ten minutes if you really want to. You're gonna die, like. I think that's so neat because it's like they they want you to understand that like they want you to go fail. They want you to go to this spot and get destroyed repeatedly and be like, well, fuck this. I'm going to go somewhere else. Yeah, that's the whole point. They want you to just go wherever you want. Um, a real cool thing is because I've played this game like eight times at this point. Like I've made so many different characters. I don't finish every run, but um, it's so fun making a new character and because you have the prior knowledge of like where stuff is and like, so it's like, okay, I can start a new character, but then I can just immediately go east to Kaled. If I equip a weapon that can cause bleed, I can kill that giant sleeping dragon in the ground just by bleeding him to death. Mm-hmm. And then I get like 40 levels right at the start of the game. And I can do whatever I want. Just stuff like that is so cool. Just like mapping out like, okay, I can, qu- if I, I can do this, 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 and this, um, just right off the bat and I can get really cool stuff and then play the whole game with like super cool weapons that you normally don't get for like 40, 50, 60 hours. Uh, yeah, there, there's nothing else like Elden Ring. Um, just talking about it. I probably am going to play some Elden Ring after we get off this podcast. All right. So Wilkins, I think we're down to your last uh, selection here. What do you got for us? We've got everyone's favorite Fortnite. Um, Fortnite in particular this year added a no build mode. So the game kind of flipped itself and said, hey, the building aspect, which has been kind of the pivotal, I think one of the more distinct and unique elements of the game prior, um, kind of got rid of that. And I had heard some people rave about it. Um, a, a friend of ours had played a lot and I got back on right after the Dragon Ball Z skins were added earlier this summer. And, and I enjoyed it. I played quite a handful of hours. Then I came back to it this November, December. And I'm not really sure what caused me to do it. I remember going to work one day and I was a little stressed out and I started playing. And man, I've really come into my own in Fortnite and have really grown to appreciate it, kind of being this unique third place. Um, there's a uh, a sociologist named Ray Oldenburg who had suggested like the third place is not your you're not the, the first place being your home, the second place being work and having a place outside of that, which is sort of an interesting concept. I think in his sort of theory, it's, you know, bars, it's it's the barbershop, it's the coffee shop. Those are sort of crumbling as most of America has is, is based on cars. So you don't really get to walk and be in any sort of city for the most part. I think a lot of us are dependent on vehicles. Um this has kind of become my place to go with with friends and to connect with people again. And this sort of dumb toy box that has, I, I, I was on the other day and the selection of skins were 
Alien, the Xenomorph, um, John Cena, and then there was a Wu-Tang Clan pack. And I've never felt more like, who the fuck is, who's buying this shit? Like, it was all over the place. The game is, I don't know, Fortnite is, you know, a, a very solid third-person shooter, and it's free. But the more I've played it, the more I interact with it, the more I really appreciate that it it's sort of almost like neon gummy worms. It's it's kind of bright and sugary, but it knows that about itself. And it kind of revels in the fact that it's 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 kind of dumb. Like the game yeah, is not overly it's complex. Dumb. It's dumb. Uh-huh. It, it, the game, the game is not overly complex, but where there is there is plenty of depth there. I, it, the, the game is so good. The hamster wheel there, the battle pass doesn't feel, and the microtransactions, I don't feel like seem as predatory as other places. I really enjoyed that there's weeklies and daily quests. And I know this is designed because it's essentially gambling, but they, they really do a good job of introducing you to new mechanics. The game is not afraid to shake it up. That From the time I've been playing in the last couple of months, I have seen a slew of new items. There's an entire story mode with, there's a king and I, I'm looking into lore videos to see what had happened in the, the seasons prior. <laughs> they they literally got rid of their entire map this year and gave everybody a new map and said, here you go. The game is really, really good about that. And also just, it's a, for it being free, it's a great hub to be social in right now. And it, it's hard given that, you know, the older I get, it's harder to carve out the time. And it's nice to have those moments when we're with your friends shooting the shit, playing something that's not so intensive that I feel like I have to like really labor away and, and playing a lot solo. And that's my first time in a battle royale, maybe ever playing this much solo and feeling comfortable with picking up snipers, something I used to literally like would refuse to do in any other <laughs> battle royale or any other first person shooter. And honestly here, it, 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 the mechanic is there, there's less um, sway and there's, it, it's a little easier to use, but it, it it's, very fun and there's a lot of unique items there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on and there's there are entire games where i'm playing where i'm i'm actively not trying to shoot somebody else or pick up guns or i'm trying to fish or see a new part of the map and in the game people have spent a lot of time and effort making this really acceptable for people from ages six to 65 it is it can grab everybody i'm not saying it's for everybody but it, they do such a good job of bringing you into the fold mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i think it's really like the thing that was most striking to me um I, I played a decent chunk of Fortnite. i don't know four years ago like when i say decent i mean like i don't know 20 to 30 hours not a ton but uh and then i didn't touch it again for a real long time up until last month when you and i played i don't know that was like two hours or something um yeah it's wild how just crazy how different thing it's like i was playing a completely different game like the only things that fortnite from a month ago had in common with fortnite from four years ago is that they're both third person shooter battle royales but like uh the map yeah completely different from what i remember it um it looked completely different because they, they just redid like the lighting engine and something or other i don't i read about it a little bit but one of the best looking games I played last year, albeit mm-hmm. I didn't play that much, but it looks fantastic. Um, they have to be commended for yeah, just how much they update and how frequently they update with that much content. I understand that they make billions of dollars, probably way more than that, especially a year. Um, and I can't imagine the amount of work and crunch and whatever that has to go into it. But yeah, it's 
you can really see the results. Like it's like you every couple months you're playing like a different game. Um I can't let a Fortnite conversation go without saying that I really hate Spider-Man running around with a gun. It it bothers me on like a fundamental level that I know it's stupid, and I know like when I was a kid with a Spider-Man action figure, I'm sure I had him holding a toy gun at some point too. But I don't know. There's something about it that rubs me the wrong way. Like with the Goku and Vegeta and Dragon Ball and general stuff, it's like this is so stupid that like it doesn't matter as much to me. But like I don't know. There's something that feels bad to me about like yeah, I'm gonna buy a game or buy a Spider-Man skin. He's running around with a gun and then like dancing on people after he killed them you know what i mean like i it's very goofy it's 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 mm-hmm. like splatoon levels of violence like i understand that it's not but at the same time the guns are more realistic than like spray cans and whatever that's in splatoon um it's not that big of a deal like because also i don't have to really engage with it like when i played with you i got like a free christmas themed skin i'm like yeah i'll put this on it's it's cute cute enough for me to ignore certain things and yeah i'm not gonna buy spider-man skins and whatever um it's funny i've thought a lot about i wasn't familiar with the term third place until you had mentioned it to me in a text a month ago and i thought a lot about it and you know my circumstances are even more dire in terms of like being able to play games with all of you because of six hour seven hour time zone difference like you know i have very fond memories of when you, me and Colin were playing PUBG all the time and like, there's a day I left work early just because you two were off. I'm like, Oh, okay, well I'm going to go home and play PUBG. Uh, (laughs) But like, it's hard for me because like, you know, we said all this up in our group chats, but yeah, like no, y'all aren't playing until like four in the morning, my time, which is fine. It's no (laughs) one's fault. Uh, But like, it reminds me, I have a story to tell. It shouldn't take too long. You'll remember it, I think. Uh, it was 12, 13 years ago, we were all at Jim's apartment in BG. And uh, we were up real late. And then Jim was staying up late because he was waiting for J-Rod to get off work. who worked third shift. And J-Rod was coming. Most people were asleep at this point. So Jim wanted to stay up. So me and Jim, we go and eat Big Boy at like 3 in the morning. And then we come back and Jim kicked his apartment door open and yelled peanut butter and ham. And it woke everyone up and you came running out of the room you were in. Like you were ready to go. Like it, this was round two of, of hanging out with the boys. Right. And the, the person you were dating at the time came out and she's like, no, like we'll, we're going back to bed. Like, come on, let's, like we have to go back to bed and i could see i never said this before i saw like the hurt in your eyes like you wanted to stay up and hang out (laughs) but you couldn't in this case right that that's how i feel with like the fortnite stuff of like like i see y'all playing and despite i i talk shit about fortnite here and there i think it's really fun i think it's a fun time despite any issues but yeah, like I see, you know, I'll wake up at eight in the morning, my time. And I'm like, oh yeah, 30 missed text messages. And it's all from them having, getting ready to have fun. I'm like, I can't do that. Like I'm, I'm, I'm married and I'm on the other side of the world now. And it's, it's like, 
yeah, it 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 that just the concept of third place hit me when you texted me about that. I'm like, wow, yeah. I don't have really a third place. Like it's you know, it's me and my wife over here and like that's it. And like I guess my third place is kind of the group chat, but like only like six hours of the day is like everyone up <laughs> at the same time, you know. Mm-hmm. Um so sorry for that tangent, but that's I've been thinking about that a lot ever since you presented the concept of third place to me. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I, I think you, you hit on some real crucial stuff there of like, you know, without going, we don't need to go full tilt, but like of bonding, especially as males, as you get older, there are only so many places and meeting new people is a challenge. I work around people all the time. And the amount of times I've been like, I don't know, but I've done stuff and then regretted it. And, you know, Fortnite has given me a vehicle right now to play with my brother, to play with a friend in New York, to play with a friend back home. And even if we don't, like, all of us are kind of in different stages of our lives, it's a really dumb thing to be like, who the fuck's getting on? What's going on? Like, just talk some shit and like yeah. be like, yeah, I had three beers and I'm going to hiccup throughout the entire match. Like, <laughs> I recorded myself playing recently and i was playing with our friend colin and a friend of his i I, i'm at a party chat i get a kill from over 250 meters i recorded myself playing and i listened back to it i was like man that was a great kill little did i know that i had recorded my voice in the group chat along with it and i had uploaded it to twitter and i showed it to some of my coworkers at work and somebody said you should never show this to anybody I say all that to say is that like I'm unabashedly feel like I'm myself when I'm playing. It's it's, yeah. it's there's a childlike and almost like level of just like being yourself and just kind of enjoying it. And like I bought, I, I'm a huge fan of BTS's Dynamite. I bought the dance for that. I bought <laughs> the skin for the Piccolo skin. I'm able to, in a way, Neon White kind of does that too. Kind of get back to a place of like it's nice to look back at something fondly, be able to participate into it bring it into the modern era and it not seem, I don't know, like I, I'm I'm lusting or like chasing my childhood. It's more of like an appreciation for it. And Fortnite is a nice little place and a weird little sandbox and, and, and a little fast booty and a little junky, but I can always put it down. And, and the game is really cool. And I would encourage everybody to, for, for a free game. And it's less, it feels a lot less sweaty than Call of Duty or yeah. Apex. It, it, it has problems. It's not a perfect game. I just think it's a really cool place to be, and it's it's a nice place to have uh, a, a meetup and a hangout, especially now that, you know, if you live in different cities with your friends, it's not like you can go to the bar or have people right. over your house. It's it, it, you got to have some sort of meeting ground, and it's a good place to keep you inter- entertained and interact with something that is also good. Yeah, I think Fortnite is like, you know, I'm a big fan of, like, gameplay and, and like expression through like games obviously like that's my main thing i do is play games in terms of my hobbies um so yeah i think there is really cool like um, ways to express yourself in just the gameplay little regardless of all the skins and stuff so yeah there's always value in that and yeah to make it clear i think fortnite is pretty cool for what it is i just don't like spider-man with the gun that's my only problem that's fine all right, fellas, we're down to the uh, the last and final game of the 10 on our list. And uh, that is uh, one of my picks, and that is Kirby and the Forgotten Land. This is a, a 3D platformer, and 
frankly, it might be my favorite 3D platformer I've ever played. It was uh, an absolute joy. A couple of the highlights, obviously, I thought the pacing was great. The, the length of the levels, I feel like, are, are, are perfectly balanced. Of course, it being a Kirby game, a big feature of, of that is that you get different abilities and uh, it sort of changes your experience. And even the level design, you know, they, they went out of their way to make it so that certain levels you can find secrets or areas only if you are using a certain ability. And so mm-hmm. it, 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 it forces you to try all of these different, uh, these different abilities that, uh, that are available to you. And there's also like the mouthful mode, which is where Kirby like, you know, basically swallows huge objects and becomes like a car or a vending machine or a cone or even a water balloon. There's uh, and, and, you know, they they show up just frequently enough where it's a feature of the game, but, you know, it, it doesn't stay too long and. I just I had a, a lovely time with this game. The the music's fantastic. Uh, it's it's just an all around wonderful experience. Since I'm the Kirby guy, Will, do you want to go first? Yeah, I honestly was just about to say that. It's so funny. <laughs> I literally was about to be like, I know that this is like a, a thing for you. Uh, I, I'm gonna be honest. As as a kind of almost not a it, Kirby is in the lower pantheon for me personally in terms of first party Nintendo. I will say that this game of characters, I should say, this made me a Kirby fan enough that I picked back up uh, Planet Robobot. Planet Robobot? Yeah. Robobot. Thank you. Robobot. Yeah. Robobot. Thank you. Uh, Which you got me. Thank you. I'm finally uh, (laughs) almost a decade later picking it up. Uh, But I I think I was, I don't know. Nintendo kind of knocked out of the park with this one. I think. Uh, it, it's got so much charm, so much heart. I think it looks fantastic. I think it runs really, really well. I think a lot of the biomes are really unique. Um, again, a game that has the challenges there if you want to go full tilt. I think there's essentially a another sort of like home base mechanic and bringing Waddle Dees back home and then them filling out sort of the area that you're back in. And I, I think really smart platforming. The, the transition to 3D works really, really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the powers are really, really fun. Um, I think it gives you enough of the lore from what I you know. I know you're sort of a lore expert. I haven't been able to pick up on some stuff with it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I've been really, my time was really, really well spent. Thoroughly enjoyed it and I'm looking forward to kind of where they take Kirby from here. Yeah, I, I think the biggest shock to me uh, with this game in terms of what it did right, I think it's, the best transition of a series from 2D to 3D, like ever. Like, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of times, like, you know, Ocarina of Time, the first 3D Zelda game, had a lot of compromises. I mean, that a lot of that's due to hardware and the fact that they were learning. Same with Mario 64. It became less about the platforming and more about like kind of uh, like hunt hunting for shiny things, right? Uh, even really beloved ones like Metroid Prime. I love Metroid Prime, but it really sacrificed like the speed and movement of your character for slow paced first person exploration, which again, it's a great game, but it, it really sacrificed the things that like made like Super Metroid, Super Metroid. Um, Kirby doesn't have any problem with, with that. It's, it's like the perfect transition from 2D to 3D. You can make the argument, yeah, because it's taken them 25 years to make a fully 3D Kirby game, but it worked out for him in this case. Um, 
yeah, like y'all have said, it's just gorgeous, uh, especially in this late Switch era where like every game is like running like trash and like usually not looking very good. Um, mm-hmm. Kirby Kirby looks beautiful. It has the the thing a lot of developers have been doing recently, where like objects that are further away are running at like a lower frame rate, and then they pop into higher frame rate as you get closer. What well, it's not that big of a deal, but um. Another cool thing I really liked about it was so to me Kirby has always been like more of like a side scrolling like brawler series like it, it 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 is a platformer I guess but it's that's not really the focus it's way more about like how you the verb sets that you get from absorbing different copy abilities and the fact that this inherently became more of a platformer is super cool because it turns out Kirby mechanics in a more straightforward platformer is really good um, those treasure roads in particular where you're given a specific copy ability or mouthful mode and then have to just race to the end or whatever um, were a big highlight of the game for me. Specifically, there's like one, I forget which hammer it is. It's either level two or three hammer, but like you have to like run up this t- like this this tower, you're up the spiral tower and you're having to, to knock nails into the ground as you go to make more platforms appear. It's like at first, you know, you're just stopping and hitting hitting the nail with the hammer and then moving on. But like when you understand more of the, the combat mechanics and, and, and what abilities you have with the hammer, you realize like, Oh, if I'm, if I attack in midair with the hammer, I do like a twirl and I don't stop. Like I don't have to come to a complete stop to swing the hammer. So then it's, it's, it goes from like a really slow kind of monotonous process to, Oh, I'm speed running this in like a neon white esque way. Uh, obviously not as rewarding as neon white in that sense, but um yeah, it, you know, I don't have a ton to say about the game. My biggest complaint, I think, is that there aren't n- enough power-ups for me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's really effect... I mean, there's Mouthful Mode, too, which is its own thing. But in terms of straight-up copy abilities, there's really only 10. Because Sleep and uh, and Crash don't... They're just one-use things. Um, now, each of these can be upgraded up to three times, or... yeah. Upgraded twice, and then hammer and sword can be upgraded a third time. Um, and a lot of them are very different as you upgrade them, but it's still it just wasn't enough. Like, yeah, it's cool that like they brought tornado back. They rarely ever have tornado in these games. Um, it's cool that like you know fire. I never liked in the old games. I think it's like easily my favorite in this one. But uh, yeah, like where's parasol? Like when I think of Kirby, I think of him holding a parasol and like floating around with it and whacking dudes with it um the new abilities are really good the ranger which is like kirby with a gun which is already just inherently funny um and the 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 digging one is very good um yeah that's my biggest really only complaint with it is that the power-up selection is kind of dire and i hope that as they go forward i'm hoping this is like a good um foundation for the next 3d kirby game i hope you know, the next Kirby game is out in just a couple weeks, but it's a remaster of an old one, Return to Dreamland. Mm-hmm. So I hope the next like full-on new Kirby game is still 3D and that they really bring all the power-ups back from this one, double it. Like, give me Parasol, give me Laser, get, just yo-yo, give me all of it. Just give me a, a billion different things to do with the power-ups. Oh, I guess one other thing. The combat is really, really good. It It introduces... I don't even know if either of you really engaged with this much. I don't remember if the game ever tells you this. 
Like, you know, you can hold ZR to, to block and take less damage, but you can also press any direction on the stick to do like a, a side dash while blocking. And if you time it right, it slows down time for everything but Kirby. So it becomes like a Bayonetta-esque like action game. Um, you know, there's all these challenges in each level, like all the boss fights, or almost all of them, one of the challenges is like, yeah, beat it without getting hit. That seems really hard at first, but when you start doing that dodge mechanic, you can do so much damage to them while they're kind of slowed down, frozen in time. Um, that was a really cool addition to the series. They've never done that before. Yeah, I um, I had I had a few more things I wanted to to mention that I really enjoyed. Like, yeah, just the the variety of different things you can do. Uh, we already talked about the the abilities and the mouthful mode, but even in the you know, in the Waddledee town, you can do fishing, you can work at the local cafe, um, which is a fun little uh, diversion. Um, doing like the the most difficult mode, especially during lunch hour, is pretty insane. Um, uh-huh. But uh, yeah, the, the, you know, they've got time trial sort of levels as well, which help you collect the rare stones, which allows you to then evolve the the different abilities. I will say that like one of my issues with the, with the stones and, and the, the ability stuff is it felt like for the first few worlds, I had enough rare stones just from completing all of the time trials that it was easy to just upgrade everything. But mm. then at a certain point, it was like, I wasn't have, I didn't have enough rare stones to upgrade everything that I wanted. And it also like sort of um, was a, was a loop where, you know, you you didn't have enough to upgrade this ability, and then that ability was necessary to do that, uh, do a different time trial to get you more rare stones. So at a certain point, I just felt kind of stuck that I couldn't get any more rare stones. Um, I will say, but I do think it's kind of a weird loop. Like they didn't do enough, but like you know, at the at the Waddle D like post office, you can type in like codes or whatever. There are a couple codes that give you the the stones and. But not a lot of them are even in the game. Like you get to like be on like Twitter and see like the Kirby account being like, type in thank you, Meta Knight, and you'll get like three stones or whatever. Um there's also a couple I don't I know you Boogs, you beat the game, but yeah, like in the post game, there's a couple new arena challenges, and I think you can keep replaying those and like one of them gets you like three stars each time or stones each time. Maybe one of them's even five. Um there is there are easier ways to get stones in like the post well it's kind of hard some of the arena challenges get pretty rough um but yeah there there are there is some of that in the post game but i agree with you that like i don't know the 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 flow or like the informing you could have been better about some of that stuff yeah mm-hmm. and then just as far as the the worlds are concerned like you know there's there's a lot of the basics there's a water world there's you know sort of a desert uh, there's a fire world my favorite was probably, I think it's World 3, though, Wanderia Remains, which is basically like an amusement park. Mm-hmm. And there are, there are a couple of levels in there that's like it's uh, the amusement park lit up at night. Um, there's like a glow-in-the-dark element in one of the levels. I, I absolutely loved all that. It felt very unique and, and interesting. The The other thing I noticed with like some of the boss fights that I thought was was interesting was I I honestly found it easier to just not have the ability and just um, just beat the bosses by sucking in the stars and shooting it at him as opposed to actually trying to get up close enough to 
deal damage with the ability itself. That's a really interesting design mechanic. Um, I agree with you. I think a lot of the bosses are kind of easier that way, albeit slower. Like if you're going for like speed or challenge or whatever. Um, but yeah, I do think that that's by design. Um, we won't get super far into it. I know we're at the end of the podcast basically, but like I read a lot of like the creative Kirby Masahiro Sakurai and the creator of Smash Bros. I read a lot of his interviews and he has a whole YouTube channel now that's very informative on like his design philosophies and stuff. And he's like from the beginning, he Kirby was designed as like a game that's meant to be accessible to more people. And part of that was in the original games, you could just infinitely float. Like, and I think this is the only, this and Kirby 64, are the only games you can't infinitely float. And that's just meant for like, Hey, if you find this too challenging, you could just float right over it. Um, and the original Kirby game didn't even have copy abilities. You only could like inhale enemies and spit them back out. So I think that's a pretty cool like throwback almost of like not only is this an effective method, like should you lose your power up for whatever reason, but it's yeah, it's actually kind of easier. Um, I think you also see that in a lot of the design philosophy with the camera like this isn't like a full-on like mario odyssey or mario 64 style like i can move the camera anywhere i want you're most of the time you're kind of on like linear paths just going from like the start to the finish kind of down a hallway um more like mario 3d world and i think that's just because again kirby games are meant to be accessible so they didn't want players fussing around with camera control and whatever um even though Sakurai wasn't involved with this game and he hasn't been involved with the series in like 15 years at this point, I think that's really admirable. I really appreciate, as the resident Kirby nut around here, I think that's really cool. I really appreciate everything they accomplish with uh, Forgotten Land. I guess I'd also be remiss if I didn't mention the lore real quick. Um, I was a little let down by, by the lore in this one. The previous Kirby game, Star Allies, is probably the worst mainline Kirby game I would say but also maybe the best lore uh, the implication being that Kirby is like an infant space god <laughs> um, it's really cool like whenever I try and talk about Kirby lore to people like they, they usually think I'm joking at first I'm like no like it's actually good um, again Boogs I know you didn't finish the post game I don't remember if Wilkins did or not but like I got to the very very last and I died and i didn't go back so i got to like the point where you're you're we're past fighting lions we're talking about fighting gods or <laughs> weird yeah we yeah. i got i got there um yeah without getting too into spoilers again it's funny but i'm also not joking that there's spoilers in kirby lore but um there's this recurring character that's been like hinted at for like for years and years and years and this is the first like canonical fight with him that you do in, in the post game. That was really cool. Um, so, but also in terms of lore, it didn't do much to advance like the overall series lore, but yet the story here was actually good. And the, like at the end of the game, when you get to, to the final boss area and like, there's a lady's voice over the loudspeakers about like the science facility that you're in and the reveal of like, yeah, like humans or human-like creatures used to live here and they left and this is the remains. Like, that was cool. Um, real quick, also, that horror, when you first beat um, the lion and then 
the other half of Elflin comes out or whatever, and like it starts absorbing things around it, and it's like a, a liquid wall that's chasing you <laughs> to try and mm-hmm. absorb Elflin. Pretty messed up, even by Kirby game standards, if you really think about it. It looks kind of goofy and cute, but like I think that's what's so cool about Kirby lore is that like it's presented in a friendly way, but if you stop and think about it for just a tiny bit, it's like, no, this is pretty horrifying. Yeah, I was I was very anxious during that sequence. <laughs> <laughs> I just had one more like uh, this is just a very minor nitpick, uh, mm. but when you and this only this only factored in when you would you know close the software and then restart it at some later point. But mm. like I would prefer if whatever ability you had when you closed the game when you turned it back on that he Kirby would still have that ability. Whereas when Mm -hmm. it comes back, it seems like he, he just does has no ability at all. And then you got to go back to the Waddle D town and, and, and pick the ability that you want. I mean, it's, it's like a 30 second diversion, but it still was something that I wish wasn't there. I think, yeah. And I agree with you too, because a lot of times I just liked playing with like um, fire or sword or whatever, but I think, Maybe the idea is that, like, hey, even though you can play any level you want with any copy ability you want, in terms of, like, figuring out the puzzles and finding all the wildies, like, you need to be switching power so often anyway. I think that's probably what their logic was. But, yeah, I, I agree with you overall. It, they could have just let you keep whatever power you went on. All right, so we're through our, our 10 games, guys, and now we're going to get into honorable mentions and matt yeah go ahead and uh, kick us off okay so i only have three things i really wrote down um so first of all streets of rage 4 it wouldn't be a duncan dynasty podcast about video games with me on it if we weren't talking about streets of rage 4 this is the third year in a row um jim and Stu, our friends started playing it for the first time late last year and just a couple text messages about it i instantly downloaded the game again uh s ranked all of the normal state or normal difficulty stages with Max and Floyd in like a couple nights, just just because other people were talking about Streets of Rage Four. Uh, anyone who likes action games, if you haven't played Streets of Rage Four, you should just play Streets of Rage Four. Um, yeah, the game that me and my wife played the most of this year, besides Elden Ring, was Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak, which is the big expansion to Monster Hunter Rise. Um, I don't ever really bring it up in my main games anymore just because like Monster Hunter is Monster Hunter and it's amazing, but like people don't need to hear me talking about Monster Hunter for 40 minutes every year. Uh, but yeah, I think Monster Hunter Rise has probably become my favorite in this series and uh, Sunbreak is fantastic. The next big update is in like a day or two and we are both very, very excited for it. Um, probably the most random game on my honorable mentions this year is Stardew Valley, which came out back in like 2016 or 17. Um, I tried playing it back then. I couldn't get into it for whatever reason. Uh, I watched my wife play it for like 100 hours over the past two years and finally sat down with it back in like spring of last year. And yeah, I put like 80 hours into it in like a month. Haven't touched it since because like I'm scared. Um, it's it's great. I can't think of any game that's more approachable. Like anyone could play this game and anyone could have fun with it. And the soundtrack is incredible. The fact that one dude did all of this graphics game and the soundtrack is mind blowing to me. 
Um, I would recommend Stardew Valley to like literally anyone. And the music in the new 1.5 update is like the most danceable music I've heard in a video game in years. All right. I'll, I also have three honorable mentions, so I'll go through mine real quick. Uh, the first one I have on my list is Super Hot. And uh, this is my this is the only non-2022 game on my honorable mentions. But this was something that Matt uh, uh, mentioned on our all-time video game pods that we recorded probably, what, like six months ago now? Um, and uh, you suggested that uh, this was the, your number one recommendation for me out of anything on your list and that I would like it. And uh, yes, that, that was in fact true. I absolutely love this game. Um, you know, a uh, first-person shooter with like, yeah, a time mechanic where your enemies only move and including their weapons and their bullets only move when you are moving and uh, there's also the feature of you can shoot your weapon or you can throw your weapon um, and uh, there, there's a lot of neat stuff about it but yeah absolutely loved it and also uh, the endless mode that you unlock after beating the base game was uh, was something that I put a lot, a lot of time into and enjoyed quite a bit Splatoon 3, um, you know, it's a, you know, third person shooter with, uh, you know, the added elements of if anyone doesn't know anything about the Splatoon series at this point, the added element of your shooting paint. And the goal is to cover the most ground with paint. And you also can swim in your own paint as a squid. So there's a bit of a platforming element to it as well. Um, you know, I only played the first Splatoon and I did not play the second. So coming into this one, there was also the added mode uh, Salmon Run, which the three of us actually uh, played a little bit together. And that was that was a good time. And uh, finally, uh, the beat em up Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the new game. Uh, you know, I love me a good beat em up. I really enjoyed sort of the, the somersault mechanic to avoid uh, avoid enemy punches and kicks and uh, i think it you know the visuals pay homage to the the time period of previous installments but you know that it still has an updated flair so really enjoyed that as well but uh, yeah wilk what were your uh, honorable mentions yeah i've got three here as well um norco uh the uh 90 is sort of uh lucas arts sierra throwback 90s point and click adventure game set in norco louisiana um, that's sort of a Southern Gothic, cyberpunk, solar punk, um, murder mystery. Uh, really, really wild. Uh, I'm going to New Orleans this weekend. Um, couldn't be more excited. Love the setting. Love the story. One of the more unique things I've seen this year. Very funny. Uh, I laughed out loud at multiple points. Think it's vastly underrated. Uh, vastly. It's underrated. I think not enough people are talking about it. Think it's really, really good. Um, I also got around playing Resident Evil 8 this year, which I fucking loved. And <laughs> I feel like I slept on that. Really love the setting, uh, sort of Eastern European. I didn't play 7. I've only, my Resident Evil catalog is a little lacking, but I was jazzed. Um, beat it one time in almost two or three sittings. Couldn't get enough of it. Uh, enjoyed the characters, enjoyed the story. Um, started a second playthrough, need to get back to it. Just so much other stuff has happened. And Citizen Sleeper would be my third game. The sort of um, story-based, very classic RPG, rolling dice to fulfill, uh, you know, actions, um, but very, very uh, cyberpunk, solarpunk uh, aesthetic and storyline. 
uh, you're a character, this sort of android trapped on a on a base, and you're more or less sent to survive. And it is uh, also underrated, excellent as well. All of those three are worth checking out. Awesome. Well, yeah. Uh, just to to wrap things up here, I um, wanted to mention that uh, this podcast uh, is just one of four end of the year 2022 content pieces that I've put together. Um, I've already released my uh, music of the year for 2022. You can find that on my blog. Just check on my Twitter account. I've got it posted there. Also, we'll have up uh, my uh, best of television in 2022 coming up here shortly, as well as uh, my uh, year in film coming up at the end of this month. But uh, fellas, was there anything else you wanted to, to shout out? I know Matt, you've got, uh, I'm sure you would like to uh, give a shout out to Critical Diversions here. Sure. Um, and yeah, I don't even feel bad about it because all three of us uh, wrote for it. Um, but yeah, I, me and my wife and, and Boogs and Wilkins and our friend Jim and my friend Seth, we all contributed to this video game fanzine called Critical Diversions. Uh, it's free to read. My wife made all or most of the art. Um it was a lot of fun to put together. Uh, that's you can get the link on the pinned tweet at the Critical Diversions Twitter. I think that's at crit underscore diversions. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I'm also at Shy Guy City on Twitter. Uh, links to Critical Diversions are there as well. Yeah, uh, I'm good. Nothing else really to shout out. Um, my social medias are private. Uh, if you do want to find me. <laughs> Best of luck. Uh, I'm out there, but you know, um, thanks for having me again. I really appreciate it. And uh, this is a real joy and uh, support critical diversions, support the podcast, support what your friends are doing. Um, and yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, this was a blast guys. And I believe we got it done in under three hours this year. So well we done. Did. Incredible. All right. Well, yeah, until next year, I think I just want to thank uh, Matt Murray and Andrew Wilkins for, for joining me here. And, uh, Stay tuned. We'll have some more Duncan Dynasty coming soon. All right. Have a good day, everybody.